and welcome to yet another episode of the Crystal Clodcast. I'm your host, Laura, here as ever for episode 11 with my wonderful, lovely co-hosts, Mia. Hello. You can find me on Twitter at OmiaGod. And Retta. And you can find me at SuperRetta. Hooray! This is the 11th episode of the Crystal Clodcast, and I think this is one that all of us have been excited and dreading, because it's probably (laughs) going to be a long one. It's the season finale! Yay. Yeah, this is this is the bit where we're going to have like five episodes that all run one into another for a while, and there's a lot to discuss. Yeah, the, I think we all made a lot of notes. This is kind of the series of episodes when the series really establishes itself as something else. Yeah, mm-hmm. so here's a little bit of like side discussion. Um, I tried watching the start of Steven, season uni- the start of Steven Universe season one a couple of times. And I never really got into it. And I was going to put the series aside and someone said, okay, if you're not going to like keep watching, skip ahead to this batch of episodes. Watch it, see where the show's building to, and go back and watch the show. And I watched some of this batch of episodes without context and was like, oh, this seems really good. Okay, I'll watch the show. So like, this is yeah. the point that I use to sell people like who aren't going to give the show a chance, who've watched mm. the first few and didn't get into it. It's like, yeah, but it, it becomes this. That makes sense, because I remember me and Retta, we started watching it, and we kind of watched it now and again, and we were like, oh, this is okay. It's, it's okay. We just kind of watched it if there was nothing else to watch. And then I remember I ended up seeing a clip from the finale, yeah. And I was like, wow, okay, that's a bit more intense than what we're currently watching. It's it's pretty intense, isn't it? <laughs> so as as a bit of a heads up, this this episode we are going to be discussing episode uh, forty nine, The Message, Episode fifty, Political Power, Episode fifty one, The Return, Episode fifty two, Jailbreak, and episode fifty three, Full Disclosure, which is the first episode of season two. But it felt important to discuss with the end of season one. Yeah, it definitely makes more sense. It feels more connected them. to this batch than like the episode the other side did. Because I think the last episode we had before this was Story for Stephen. Which mm. is a really good episode, but it's not as closely tied to this no, batch. No, not really. Um, so yeah, do we want to start with episode 49, The Message? Sure. Where do we start? So this episode is interesting because it almost takes place in real time like it takes place entirely kind of on the beach and next to the house there's very few characters yeah there's very little like time skipping between scenes it's just here's the thing we're running back and forth between the house it is just like Mm -hmm. here's a series of events that happened in about 20 minutes yeah like the wailing stone is making a noise they wanted to stop making a noise and figure out what it's doing that's the whole episode if yeah. it was a live action program, you'd call this the budget episode. Yeah. It's yeah. like they're clearly only using the set and then the open space yeah, they that they've got. The well, they've got the big finale coming. So. <laughs> yeah, they're saving up money for their big finale. We don't have the CGI budget to do anything right now, so we'll just have an episode in the on the beach. Is it a bottle episode, they call it? I think in so. In the industry? Some, the... Something like that. Yeah. Um, so it, the episode starts off with Greg writing music, which is something we've not really seen him do for a while. And mm. I think the placement of this episode just after Story for Steven's really interesting because he's just told a nostalgic story about how much he used to have a love and passion for writing music. And then the very next episode, we see him 
creating music for the first time yeah. in a long time. He's even drawing like album art. Yeah, like, he's, he's very invested. I think in he he just remembers the passion he had, mm. and it's really nice to see him creating again. Mm. Um, he also is having a lot of like very silly father son bonding with Stephen. Um, mm. I am Robo Dad. Um, I can't stay mad at my robo-dad. Yeah, I can't stay mad at my robo-dad. I think this also shows that Greg is actually very talented when it comes to, like, music hardware Mm. and, Mm -hmm. like, writing songs. Like, we've seen that he's... I mean, from the beginning, he's kind of portrayed as a bit of a slacker and kind of yeah. dropped out of college. But we see here, he's a, he really he, does He stuff. can put his mind to creating stuff mm. if he really wants to. Um, also, it's this is one of the few episodes where we know that the song happening is actually happening. Yeah, it's like, not a very kind of, are they literally uh, just singing yeah. right now? Because most, it, most yeah. of the songs you assume they're not literally singing in that <laughs> moment. But this is one where we hear what these people's songs that they write in universe are actually like. Mm. Steven's really good at writing music on the fly. Like, I have some criticisms about the song that Steven writes at the beginning of this episode, but um, so they're very this, minor. This is the song about Lapis. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. So, first of all, Greg writes a song about Lapis and he gets, like, a few words in. It's like, she's a riptide queen and, and she's, she's super, super mean. mean. And Steven's like, nope, 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 we're not having this. He also says that he drew the artwork for it, which is really freaking cool. Yeah. That, like, you are a yeah. very creative person, Greg. Yeah, it's, it's album artwork based on when Lapis stole the, the ocean, which, mm-hmm. to be fair, is pretty good musical inspiration of, like, yeah, there was this one day that the ocean got stolen by like a water witch it's it's good uh, inspiration for kind of a power metal song yeah. I think he, he, he makes a very cool piece of album art for it but um, yeah the one criticism I have about Stephen's song about Lapis is the line your friendship comes through subliminal <laughs> I'm like, no, subliminally. Like, that's subliminal in that context doesn't work as a word. That's a cheap no. rhyme, Stephen. And I know that you made the song up on the spot, Stephen, but I'm not going to forgive that and terrible rhyme. And he's also rhyme. a human child. Yes, <laughs> you're a human child that made up a song on the spot. And it was really well put together and a very impressive song that I like very much. But the word subliminal, I dislike. Can't, can't turn off that critic, can you? No, I can't turn off that critic. I'm here on a Steven Universe like review podcast. I'm going to be critical. It's true. I, th- I think you can get away with it. Um, I think this, it, the song is cleverly used to kind of be like, hey, if you didn't see this episode, quickly, here's who Lapis is, here's what yeah. she did, here's she was, how things ended. She was trapped in a mirror and it couldn't be clearer that she wanted to leave this place and get herself back, back in space. And you might you might think she's a criminal, but her friendship comes through subliminal. Lapis Lazuli, uh, what was it? She came uh, something about the sea. Lapis Lazuli. Someone's listening now and like yelling the lyrics. (laughs) We we watched this literally like an hour ago, and we're already forgetting part of the. It's because there's been so many songs in it. Oh, this batch of episodes had so many good songs. Um, But yeah, like this. The song he writes is very much like, here is an entire recap of, of Lapis's deal. She was trapped in a mirror. All she wanted to do was to go home, and she's quite nice. Mm-hmm. I also like um, the last line in the song, which is very, very Stephen. You were so mad, but then you came around to me. <laughs> yeah, it is lovely. Um, I like also that Greg makes jokes here that um, are clearly for an older audience that Stephen just does not get. Mm-hmm. And I imagine most of the intended age group audience for this won't get. Yeah, there's a like, couple in kind of this mm-hmm. section. The children watching Stephen Universe on Cartoon Network are unlikely to get references to Video Killed the Radio Star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do kids these days know what a B-side is? Yeah, it's, you know... <laughs> I doubt it. Well, I didn't. You had to tell me. 
Yeah, I remember, like, just about remember getting CDs with B-sides on, and the story I remember about B-sides, as a side note, was um, my younger sister wanted the single version of the Black Eyed Peas, Where Is The Love, uh, which is a very nice song about, you know, everyone love and support each other no matter our differences, and she wasn't allowed it because it had parental guidance on it, because the the (laughs) B-side was a very explicit song about butts. Okay. And my mother would not let her have the single for Where Is The Love because of its B-side. <laughs> the butts ruined it. Yeah. it's It was a weird thing. So B-sides, you used to get a free song with your single and it wasn't the song that you bought the single for. My favourite B-side story is um, Sweet, the hard rock, the kind of glam rock <laughs> band uh, from 70s and 80s. I've been told this many times. Basically, their manager was pushing them to be a kind of bouncy, happy, kind of like kid-friendly song, um, kid-friendly artist. But they really wanted to play, like, hard rock. So basically what happened is, as a compromise, the singles they brought out were these kind of really commercialised bouncy songs. And then the B-sides were these kind of, like, really kind of rocking hard rock songs yeah. that they wanted to write. And the weird thing about B-sides when they used to exist is you they used to be songs that never appeared on the album. Yeah, B-sides were like, oh, this is just an extra. You it's can't bon- get it Yeah, it's album. bonus songs that, like, it's like, oh, yeah, you can listen through a ba- all of a band's albums, but if you want to hear all their music, you've got to track down what their B-sides like, were. Some of the most famous Beatles songs are not on the albums. Like, Hey Jude is not on any album. That was a yeah. B-side. So that that's a thing. Anyway, we got on a weird <laughs> sidetrack. But B-side yeah, hour. Pr- yeah, B-side hour. Um... So yeah, the Wailing Stone starts to go off, and um, the gr- the gems can't. I was going to say the Gregs. Uh, <laughs> the gems can't work out how to silence the Wailing Stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, they try a lot of very smart ideas, like bubbling it, and it, it breaks the bubble. The bubble. <laughs> yeah, it's Ste- stronger than a gem. Uh, Stephen tries to stick his arm in it, and then it wails through his mouth. Like mm-hmm. this thing will not be silenced. Um, I want to bring up at this moment another episode of Steven Universe characters that show autistic spectrum potential traits. Um, Amethyst cannot handle the sensory stuff going on with the the noise of the Wailing Stone, Mm -hmm. and in response, she starts to pull at her hair. I picked up on that too. Yeah, that is very much an autistic spectrum thing of overloaded sensory input, pulling at hair. Mm -hmm. So that's an observation. I... I, I know I bring this up every every batch of episodes. I say something about this, but I just that's a thing. Let's continue. <laughs> I think it's worth mentioning. Like I noticed it as well. It's it does seem may this is one of those examples. I would say like maybe was deliberate. Yeah, especially because Amethyst is a very kind of loud and laid back character. She's very yeah, distressed. Yeah. It's this one of the only times, like a rare occasion, mm. when we see Amethyst kind of like, no, I want it to it's stop. That, it's it's also very rare to see her distressed by sensory things. Yeah, yeah that's because she's yeah. usually very cluttered, very messy, very unclean. All a lot of, like, touch and sight-based senses she's fine with, but as soon Mm. as it's a sound that is an issue, she goes to pulling at her hair, and I'm like, Mm -hmm. maybe that's a a sense that you have issues with. Um, It reminds me of me in that I get really, like, sensory overloaded. Yeah, you struggle when there's not so much volume, but multiple. background noise. Yeah. Like, if there's lots of background noise, all I can hear is the background noise. Yeah. Like, I have a weird thing with my ears, my mum has it as well, where background noise seems louder than foreground. If if there's... If there's multiple sources of noise, I can't cause myself to focus on one of them mm-hmm. properly. And I'll do that where, like, if someone's talking to me and there's background noise, if I'm looking at their lips, I can maybe focus on mm. their voice. But if I can't see them, I won't be able to pick it out over the, the background noise. Yeah. 
because audio sensory stuff is weird. Yeah. Yay. Um, so Greg point, uh, Stephen points out that Greg is a bit of a whiz with audio and the gems. Yes. <laughs> I just want to say, um, Pearl says that they haven't used the Whaling Stones since the Rebellion. Yeah, we mm. hear here that Whaling Stones are used for communication. Yeah, and they said yeah. they've rounded up all the Whaling Stones on Earth. They mm. they don't want to make the assumption that it's a Whaling Stone from off-planet, because that yeah. suggests it's a homeworld gem that's contacting them. They're like, maybe Amethyst is playing a joke, because mm-hmm. yeah. it's easier to predict to hope for that than to hope that the outer... The homeworld gems are coming. Mm. But yeah, it, it, we can assume from this then that the way they communicated with kind of across distance mm-hmm. was through whaling sounds during the war. Yeah, but apparently it never sounded like that before. But I assume that's because usually it came through as audio and not yeah. as video. Mm. They were using the whaling stones to send audio, whereas the uh, the implication seems to be because we we hear later on from Lapis that homeworld tech has advanced dramatically since the gems mm. arrived on on Earth. I guess the implication is when the gems arrived on Earth, audio transmission was the only tech they had yeah, at they the didn't time. Have video, yeah. yeah, whereas now Homeworld has video tech rather than audio. Lapis had to send the te- the message as video, mm, but they have nothing. But to they pick have up. nothing to pick yeah. it up with. Mm. So, I think that's meant to be some kind of sign of like, yeah, video transfer tech is a new gem mm. thing that like it's weird because. Humans on Earth have video transmission tech now, but gems seemingly haven't decided to try and incorporate it on Earth into their gem tech. Well, the war was thousands of years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. So we don't know when they got video tech. Because presumably during the war thousands of years ago, the gems had this primitive level of technology. I get you there, but I guess my point is, like, let's say... uh, 75 years before Steven Universe takes place, humans develop TV. Mm. Um, at this point, is it not worth the gems looking at that and being like, oh, humans have got video tech. Maybe we should try and incorporate that into the gem tech we have on Earth. That's a good point. I wonder if it's arrogance. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of reading into it a bit here. No, but I no, if, I, I, I agree with you. I wonder if um, the crystal gems in particular kind of think, oh, they're just humans. Yeah, why would, why would we need their, their things? Yeah, we've, we've got whaling stones. Why would we need yeah, TV? Exactly. Yeah, so. Well, like Pearl in full disclosure, I think it is. No way. Anyway, when she knocks out the whole power grid, she basically says how humans are stupidly tied to their electronic devices. Uh, yep, that's in political power, I think. There you go. Um, yeah, she she is very dismissive of humans. Um, so they, the gems bring Greg the Wailing Stone to try and trans, uh, tra- like decode the audio. They are very reluctant to do so. They do not believe he has any chance of doing anything. Um... And Greg, to his credit, does a very good job of, like, trying to work out what to do. He manages yeah. to at least make it something, like, palatable to listen to, which is preferable. He almost gets yeah. it. Yeah, and he, he stops trying to work it out because his van gives out, not because he ran out of things to try. Mm. But the gems seem to take that as, ah, stupid human, couldn't do it. Yeah, they, they literally take the gem, like, out of his hands, and they're like, well, okay, you tried, back to us. It's... Pearl, again, who is very dismissive and is kind of like, see, I knew we were stupid, we just wasted time trying to get Greg to do something. Pearl says that initially. Garnet agrees with her. Yeah. She's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Garnet seems to be, like, Pearl, 
I'm trying to think of the way to word it. Pearl says it and, and she seems quite insensitive. Yeah. Garnet seems to say it and she seems to be trying to not be a jerk. Well, she it. like pats Greg's arm and says, you tried, Greg. He's yeah. patronising, but she's trying yeah. to help him feel She's better. trying to treat him in the same way that she treats Stephen. There, yeah. there are so many parallels in the yeah. latter half of this episode well, between even, Stephen and Greg's treatment. Even Pearl underestimating him. Yeah. Like, it's been a common theme that the gems underestimate Stephen. And now they're doing the same thing to Greg, but Greg is an adult mm. and does, like, obviously he understands that it's not okay for yeah. one adult to another adult be like, well, you're just you, so you're not going to be able to do it. Yeah. I do think one thing's really interesting about Garnet dismissing Greg's ability. She's presumably using her future vision, looking for, like, okay, can Greg decode this audio? And because she never thinks could he decode video and never thinks to try and look down that avenue of the future. That's why she sees Greg failing at every turn. That's possible. And that's why she's like, yeah, it's fine. It was a failure. It was always going to be, you know, we we got Greg to try and fix the audio. He couldn't fix the audio. Mm. And she doesn't think, what if he tries something else? Yeah. Because that's that's a, a flaw in how Garnet's future vision works. One thing that Greg does say is, you guys don't give up on anything except for me. Yeah, I wrote that line down. It's It sounds very much like something that Stephen would say to the gems. Yeah. You don't give up on anything except for me. Um, yeah, immediately I was just kind of like, oh, that sounds like Stephen. Yeah. That kind of like, why don't you trust me? I can do useful things. You just don't give me the chance to do so. Yeah, like Greg sings a very sad song when the gems don't have faith in him and it's very much mirroring Stephen's sort of perspective. It's like... Um, what was it? How, how does that song go now that he sings? Have a um, little, have, have a little, little, have a little faith in me. I just wanted, wanted to help, you know. I have a little, have a little, have a little expertise. Yeah, it's his entire thing is just about like, hey, look. Yeah, in in the end, I wasn't good enough. I just showed the get the gems. I haven't got the stuff. It's like I tried my best. And ultimately I let them down. Because it's it's the view that both Greg and Stephen share of the gems. Mm-hmm. It's this view of, if I don't succeed, it doesn't matter that I tried. Because I didn't succeed, therefore I didn't impress the gems, therefore I'm a failure to them. Yeah, Rather it's... than, you tried things that the gems couldn't try. Like, that might have been the solution, and the gems would never have known. Because they don't know how analogue audio equipment works. Mm-hmm. It's it, all about the results. It seems to be a thing with the universe family of placing the gems on a pedestal and looking up to them so everything is all about... Trying to earn yeah, their kind of approval. Yeah, just like, will this impress the gems if I do this? And then if, if they yeah. disappoint the gems, immediately their hopes are kind of like crushed and it's like, oh yeah. no, I, did, I didn't do the thing that they expected me to do. Like their self-worth yeah. is yeah. measured by how gems see them, not how I, they see themselves. I also really like that Greg here, when when they realise as a pair that the, the solution is that it's probably video being sent, this is not Greg's speciality, but he still gives it a go and works it out. Mm-hmm. It's like, just because this isn't the thing that you're known for, it's not the thing that people know you do, doesn't mean that you can't help find a solution yeah, with it. Just like, still try. You, you can be good at many things, and while you might not be as good at that thing might still be the thing that saves the day. Mm-hmm. And it's another thing of creative solutions to gem problems. Exactly. Yeah. Using so, human technology. Yeah. Um, so they bring the Wailing Stone back um, with the intention of like trying to decode it as video. We learn that Amethyst 
Maybe used to steal cars? Yeah, she yeah. says, never started a car with a key before. Did she used to hop by a car? Yeah. Because yeah, when she starts it with a key, she goes, wow, that's so much easier. Yeah, I can only assume she hot-wired cars, and why would she be doing that unless she's stealing cars? Seemingly. <laughs> okay, um, so we eventually get the message decoded. Lapis is sending a warning. <laughs> oh, this, this video... Um, so there's a few things that we get in here. It's, hey, some gems are coming to Earth. They're bringing back up. Like, this is a thing to be aware of. Um, she she worries that the gems know Stephen's name. It's like, look, they know your name. I promise I didn't tell them. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to stop and have a think because I've never stopped to think, how did the gems... Uh, like the homeworld gems know Stephen's name, if not through Lapis. It's Paradox. Yeah, it's yeah. it's, yeah, uh, it's Stephen told his name to Paradox. Yeah, it's like there's an infestation of Stephen's. Yeah, so he, like he introduced himself. Yeah. But obviously, Lapis assumes like no one would be stupid enough to tell the homeworld gems their name voluntarily. Yeah, she, she so did I fuck up? I swear I didn't. <laughs> um. So yeah, I think like the depressing thing of this message is Lapis tells them not to put up a fight. Yeah, this isn't a warning to be like, get ready, they're coming. It's more like, hey, this is going to happen. Like, don't try yeah, and you will lose. Yeah, we're not saying use this time to prepare for fight. It's use this time, like, don't use this time to prepare to fight. Just let this happen. Because mm-hmm. in the time that you've been gone from Homeworld, Homeworld tech has advanced so far, you don't stand a chance. Like, Lapis underestimates... Obviously, Stephen as an element. But it's just this idea of the easiest thing to do when faced with overwhelming odds is to not fight them, is yeah, to just... Because she says something in, I think, a couple of episodes from now that's something to the effect of, if we just do what they say, maybe they'll be they'll go easy on us. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea of, don't stand up to authority because authority is incredibly powerful and you'll just make things worse for yourself if you stand up and fail. Yeah, it's like it's pointless. Yeah. Like, there's no nothing... It's not even entertained that there's a yeah. chance they could win. It's just like, no, you will lose. Exactly. Just... Re- rebellion against authority is pointless, so just roll over and let it happen. Mm-hmm. And I really like that when, as these this batch of episodes goes on, we see the power of, like, standing up to authority and rebelling and... Mm-hmm. And working together. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, it's when you're not standing up alone... Cough, cough, it seems a bit like an allegory to the power of protest movements. Mm-hmm. You know, don't mm-hmm. don't back down, all get together in a group and stand up against the powerful authority. When you were saying protest, my brain kind of filled in the end. I thought you were going to say Power Rangers. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's not quite as um, serious or powerful as a message, but I could say that. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a metaphor for Power Rangers. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the... the Swords or whatever they're called come together, and by working together, they win. I, I suppose that works. It's not the uh, the real life metaphor I was going for, but sure, Mir, if that's what works for you, yeah, I'm, I'm standing by that. Um. So, other than Gar, oh yeah, I just want to say I find it um cute and interesting that she wants Stephen. Yeah, she doesn't mention the crystal gems. It's just Stephen. This is a yeah. thing. That Stephen's needs to the be person done. that cared about her. Yeah. Stephen yeah. is the one that helped her and cared about her and tried to get her safe and to where she wanted to be. Stephen's the one that she owes a debt to. It's uh, yeah, like it's easy to forget. Knowing she ends up so friendly with everyone, it's easy to forget that like at this point, 
she really feels next to nothing for the gems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even that she likes. Well, to be fair, by the end of this batch of episodes, I'm surprised she's as positive as she is because she has reason to hate the gems because they trapped her in the mirror for thousands mm-hmm. of years and wouldn't help her, her escape. She has reason by the end of this batch of episodes to hate Stephen as well because Stephen promises to free her from the, the ship later on. And doesn't. And doesn't. She has reason to hate everyone and the fact that she still forgives and protects them is, oh, it mm. makes my heart swell, but... <laughs> Yeah, no, like, this is, I owe you, Stephen, I'm going to take a risk to get this message to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, other than Garnet, the gems panic at this. They freak out. They're like, oh, no, Homeworld are coming. We barely fought off Homeworld last time. This time they're more powerful. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Garnet tells everyone to just calm down. And she says to focus on, like, hey, we got the message. We succeeded. We now know more information than we did. This problem we can put aside. Mm. Greg, you got us the message. Thank you. We couldn't have done it without you. Don't panic about the content of the message yet. Just be glad that we solved this problem. We got the message. That was thanks to Greg. Thank you, Greg. We have the message. And Greg cries when Danny thanks him. I really like that because it's like, obviously... Greg translates the message and their immediate reaction is very negative and they're yeah. kind of all panicking. Garnet takes control of the situation and he's like, no, well done, Greg. Thank you, Greg. Yeah, that is we, a good we, thing. we are in a better position for this knowledge. This knowledge mm. is helpful to us. It is informative. Greg, you helped us. Sure, we might be panicking. It might seem like this is bad information, but having this information is a good thing. Thank you, Greg. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a really sweet little yeah, exchange. It is. It's nice. Um, I think it makes Greg feel like he's part of something again, because obviously Rose welcomed him in, whereas, if anything, the Crystal Gems are now kind of shunning him out. They're kind of like exclude him. Yeah, yeah, we don't want you to live, like, in the house with Stephen. You can go live in your van over there. Because, like, when he, <clears throat> when he breaks his leg, um, Pearl's like, Is, isn't there a way we can do this so you don't have to live with us? Yeah. So that they are actively kind of like, no, no, you you stay away from us. Whereas obviously Rose gave him an in into the group. Yeah, here it's like he's part of the team again. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's why he cries, because he's kind of like, oh, I did something that made you happy, yeah. It, it is really nice. Um, and then we end off up the episode with Greg and Stephen having another silly father-son moment, which is really nice to see. Um, Stephen pretends to be a robot. Greg, I can't relate to my robot son. <laughs> Uh, my mind is the internet. I know every continuity mistake ever made on television. I assume it's a reference to some continuity mistake we missed that occurred. Like, them making a reference to, like, the internet picks apart our continuity errors. I like also seeing it as, like, when Stephen thinks of the internet, it's not, here is this tool with the world's knowledge and history, and it's just, here is continuity errors in TV shows. That's obviously how Stephen uses the internet. <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah. So anything else we'd like to say about the message? Nope, that's all I got. I like that the end credits turn into fuzz. Yes, mm. I was I was gonna say, did I write it down on this one? Yeah, the next episode has static end credits yeah, as this, well. This turns into the kind of fuzzy static, which then continues in the credits of the next episode. I I wasn't sure, like I'm I'm aware that the static was obviously happening here because of this being the episode about the static they were trying to decode. Mm. Why do we think there's static in the next one as well? I don't know. I, th- I saw it more as like um, a tone setting thing. Yeah. Like 
normally it's such a happy kind of... Everything's a bit unclear. Everything's a bit fuzzy. We don't quite know what's going on yet. And as Greg says in the episode, you can always use more fuzz. Yeah, you can always use more fuzz. (laughs) Anything else on that? I am done. I'm done. Okay, so next up we have episode 50, which I think is kind of the least dramatic of this batch of episodes, but Mm. there's still a lot of interesting stuff to talk about in it. Um... The episode starts off very quickly with the gems um, trying to be very practical about solutions for preparing for for Peridot's arrival. They are trying to create tech to disrupt the Robonoids, which basically seems like they're trying to create an EMP, yeah, like an electromagnetic pulse yeah. to like disrupt electrical and things. They've not considered the fact that half the town uses. Yeah, they're just like, oh, we'll do a thing that disrupts electricity, that'll stop it. Mm. Oh, it didn't stop it, and we knocked out the town's power. One thing I was wondering is, does this episode take place in the same night? Because Pearl says, oh, Stephen, it's like well past your bedtime. And they're kind of outside preparing. I was wondering, is this a couple of hours later? My assumption is it's the same night, it's within a day this is happening. Mm. Um, so they very quickly set to work being like, what can we do practically? They ignore Lapis's bit of the message about don't fight back. Yeah, it says they, a don't, lot. they don't even discuss it. They're just like, yeah. no, we're going to fight because mm-hmm. that's what we do. Be. We're the rebellion. We fight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very them solution, I think. Well, Pearl, I like Pearl um, when she's on about, she says Peridot is coming to meet with us. But she does it with a lot of emphasis on it. In other words, she doesn't want to say she's coming to kill us. She's she's trying to imply to Stephen, like, no, it's fine. It's all good. Don't worry about it. It's just a meeting. Yeah, I mean, we see this um, in full disclosure, but the theme of this episode is kind of protecting other people from Mm -hmm. information that you have, so they don't worry. I will get to this a little bit later in the episode as well, but like, I think a lot of the the themes in this episode of keeping information from people for their own good mirror the things that we had earlier with uh, discussions of how Rose treated everyone. Oh, that's Um, right. I have that noted as well later on. Uh, particularly, I think a lot of the things Maya Dewey says sound a lot like they could be things Rose would have said about, like, the reasons to keep information away from the people close to you because, yeah. you know, you're the leader. And uh, let me see if I can find the line. Sure. Um, yeah, it, you're not... It's not lying when you're the mayor. It's Sorry, politi- I yawned. That, that's all right. <laughs> it's not lying when you're the mayor. It's politics. And it's he sort of talks about this idea of when you're in a position of power, it's not lying to hide information from people. It's controlling the tone of messaging to avoid having people panic when you need them to stay calm and continue doing things. Yeah, and it's not even like he wants to do that. It's more that he feels that's his responsibility. It, it feels it's a burden on him that he has to deal with. Well, other, otherwise they could end up like Ocean Town. Oh, Ocean Town. Yeah. What what's Ocean Town? Exactly. <laughs> and then later in the episode when he mentions Ocean Town, someone yells too soon. Yeah, like what what happened in Ocean I want I want to know what happened in Ocean Town. It seemed like the mayor did something that resulted in the town being destroyed. The, the mayor was obviously at some point like Yes, this thing's going to happen, and it's going to be terrible, and we can't stop it, and everyone panicked yeah, and, like, destroyed the town? and destroyed the town, maybe? 
Um, so we're, we're kind of jumping ahead a bit, I think. I, I want to mention, I just find it um, amusing that Maya Dewey clearly has a crush on Pearl. Well, because yeah. he's like, oh, the tall one, the purple one, and the hot one. It's, yeah, it's a few times. You, you got ahead of me slightly. I was going to say, so Maya Dewey turns up at the Gems house because all the power went out, and the assumption is the Gems know what's going on. When we don't know what's happened, the Gems know. So he he runs to the temple basically to be like, magic people. What do we do? Um, and that's where he describes them as the tall one, the purple one, and the hot one. Um, well, we also see here that he's not sure what they are to Stephen. Yeah, your sisters? He, he says sisters and he's like, caretakers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he doesn't quite get the deal with them. Yeah, which is interesting because it implies that most of the town probably think that. Yeah, they, they're probably... No one... I, I feel like everyone in the town is afraid to ask what the deal with the magic ladies yeah, is. Like they're aware that they're there, that Stephen lives with them, but they're not quite sure about anything else. Yeah. Um. So Mayor Dewey is freaking out because, like, hey, the power's gone, we don't know when it's coming back. Uh, I think Pearl's line on it is, um, it could be back as early as tonight, or as late as never. <laughs> Which is a nice way of saying, like, we have no idea. It's like, well, it's going to take us at least a day to try something, and that's all we know. Mm-hmm. Um, so the gem's focus at this moment is on Peridot and the sort of impending end-of-the-world scenario. Stephen's thinking about the very human cost of what's going on. The gem's dismiss, like, ah, oh, humans will be fine without power. They, they, they used to be fine without power. And Stephen's like, no, if you're used to something like power, it's a stressful thing when it's gone. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to help think about what to do with with Peridot's arrival. I'm going to focus on the people, because they clearly need support right now, and if you're not going to do it, I'll go do it. Well, he says, don't worry, Mayor Dewey, we'll help you clean up this mess. And you hear Garnet from inside the house shouting, no, we won't. Yeah. And he immediately, without skipping a beat, just goes, I'll help you clean up this mess. Stephen's assumption is that the gems will help, and I think that's because... The gems always help when there's a, a catastrophe. Like, the humans need help. Oh, the gems will help. And the gems just don't care because they're like, homeworld gems, they're, scared. they're a bigger problem than a power yeah, cut. Yeah, we have other things on our mind right now. Um, so yeah, Stephen, Stephen really starts to believe that this is a crisis when he realises that, that there's ice cream melting all over town. Mm-hmm. That, that's what really cements that this is truly tragic. Yeah, exactly. It needs to be something that Stephen personally has an investment in. Like, all of your livelihoods, that's one thing. Melting ice cream, that's a travesty. Um, so yeah, then we get the conversation with Mayor Dewey about, like, hey, pal, um, you know, it's not lying when you're a politician... I have I have one note to make about Mayor Dewey. Sure. He goes to everyone in town telling them that the power will be back that, by, by the time the sun goes down that night. He does this while handing out glow sticks. He, mm-hmm. he clearly knows he's lying mm-hmm. and is trying to prepare the town so it's like, I know I'm telling you that you won't need any kind of special lighting at night, but I'm also making sure you have that lighting ready. He's... I don't know how to feel about that. Is is he trying to be like, look, I don't want to panic you, but I also like can't ignore the fact that I do have a duty as mayor to provide you with things to help you get through this? I really liked that because like when we've seen him in the past, 
he's been kind of unclear whether he is kind of selfish and just kind of enjoys his position for being important. Yeah. But here it seems like, no, he, he's taking his job seriously. He's trying to prepare people while thinking, okay, immediate solution, keep everyone calm, but, but they're going to He's, he's also thinking about re-election because he's handing out vote Dewey buttons. <laughs> and, like, that's, that's the sort of sour edge. Like, had it only been the glow sticks he handed out... Like, if they'd been Mayo Dewey branded glow sticks, mm-hmm. I'd have been like, okay, that's fine. Um, but he's still worried about his position. He, he still wants his position, but he is conscious, like, I know I'm lying. At least I can make sure you have glow sticks. Because it gets brought up by Greg later. It sounds like I'm not going to need this glow stick. Because mm. Greg notices, like, why are you giving out glow sticks? You said it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. So why do I need this? Mm. But that's why Stephen's so upset. Because yeah. he knows that Mayor Dewey is lying. And he knows and, that Mayor Dewey knows he's lying. Yeah. So by saying that he won't need the glow sticks and Greg not taking one, he's kind of like, yeah, but you, you are going to need the glow sticks because he's actually lying, but he doesn't want to tell the truth because Mayor Dewey has told him that it is right to lie. Yeah. It's, it's a really bad influence. It's a really Stephen. complicated situation to put a child in. Yeah. Like this, hey, I'm trying to do the right thing and I, as an adult, feel that the right thing to do here is to lie while, like, handing out evidence that I know I'm lying. Mm. It's a weird situation for a kid to be in. It's. I think it's an instance of Stephen being put in a very mature situation that for once is not about like violence or like a kind of yeah. you know he's, he's obviously put in dangerous situations a lot and complicated situations that are to do with you know gem monsters and all these complicated things going on but this is a very human mature problem yeah uh, kind of is, is it okay to hide information from people to stop them panicking mm. to avoid stressing them out is that a morally acceptable yeah. thing to do but he's already been told by Pearl that it is yeah Gem, like, yeah. If a real leader has to hide some things in order to protect. This is it. I think this is a big part of like, had we not had that whole batch of episodes about, hey, Rose lied to everyone because that's her job as a leader. And when you're a leader, you have to hide things from people. Had it not been for that, I think Stephen would have put up a lot more of a fight here. Yeah, I could But see it's, that. that was his, like, the people he spends most of his time living with told him, Sometimes a leader has to hide information yeah. from people. The primary caretaker of Stephen but, but equally, has gone, but this is right, but, this is what you do. I, I think the reason so Stephen's so conflicted is he's also seen the harm that causes because yeah. he's seen how hurt Pearl was when she realised she'd been lied to by someone in a position of power. Hmm. So, like, Stephen does know both... can see both sides of it. Um, so we go back and the gems don't want to acknowledge to Stephen's face how dire of a situation they're in with the Homeworld Gems. They yeah. very much try and downplay it. They try and set aside, like, yeah, we'll play cards. It's fine. Let's, you know, ignore this situation. Yeah, well, they're all talking about it, aren't they? And Stephen yeah. kind of spies on them. And then he turns up and Amethyst is kind of like, ah, oh, hey, Stephen. What, like, what are you doing yeah. here? <laughs> they're like, okay, time to, like, pretend everything's fine. Yeah, because they're kind of like, what are we going to do? Like, we are not prepared to face this. Yeah, you this. can see how out of the depth they Yeah. Are. But as soon as Stephen appears, it's like, oh, hey, hey, Stephen, yeah. hi. And as as the uh, the sun goes down, Stephen has the opportunity to play cards and to do the sort of thing that the gems so rarely do with him, which is indulge him in an activity they can share together. And it's mm-hmm. got to be such an appealing thing for Stephen. And he turns it down because he's like, no, I know that you're just trying to, to appease me. And I know that there are people that need help. 
we're not going to sit around here and ignore problems. We're going to go, I'm, I'm going to go deal with things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, Stephen, that's such a mature choice to make. Um, and he goes, goes back to town and the town is basically having a bit of a riot because of the political <laughs> lies Mayor Dewey told. And it's Gongo who incites everything. Yeah, she's, yeah, she says that they should push over the... the yeah, they're the like, keep the it struck. It's just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, so I've, I've got a transcript of what Stephen says when he's on top of the, the upturned van. Mm. He gives a really mature adult speech here. Um... The panel might not be back on tonight. It might not even be back for even a year. But I know you're going to be okay. I know each and every one of you. You're smart. You're tough. You're resourceful. And you all care about each other more than about microwave dinners or video games or being able to see in the dark. I know it'll hurt your businesses. I know it'll hurt your lives. But are we really going to hurt each other? Of course not. We'll face the night together and we'll survive because we are the light of Beach City. And it's such a sweet speech. Well, as always, he's believing in the best in everyone. Yeah. And as always, Stephen is bringing everyone together. Mm-hmm. Um, he he does bring everyone together. Mayor Dewey does try and cling on to this speech. He's like, yeah, I couldn't have said it better. And everyone's like, shut up. Yeah, he kind of climbs out. Like, yeah. now that the, the kind of crowd have calmed down. I think it's now I'm not going to get hurt. Yeah, attaches yeah. himself don't, to this Don't speech. try and worm your way out of this. Um... <laughs> I, I, I like also that Stephen does back... He defends Mayor Dewey's actions in quite a nuanced way. Mm. Um, it's okay. Mayor Dewey was hiding things from you, but he did it because he didn't want you to worry. And this is very much like, clearly this state of mind is where he ends up in full disclosure, is yeah. it's okay to hide things from someone if you're trying to avoid hurting them. Mm-hmm. Um, he was sheltering you from the truth because he loves you. And I'm like, oh, oh. That's where we're going. That's where we're going. It's it's, it's a complicated thing that, like, I can see totally how Stephen's learnt that this is an acceptable set of behaviours. Yeah. Well, you can see he, like, pauses for a couple of seconds in between because and they love you. He loves you. He loves... You know what I mean? Yeah. My brain got confused for a second. But, um, like, I took that as him clearly thinking about the gems kind of going yeah oh so that's why they're hiding stuff from me they they love me and they want to protect me there's definitely the moment where you see it click yeah in his eyes and he's kind of like oh this is what the gems are doing for yeah. me is what dewey was doing for yeah. the town so he ends up going back to the gems and they're very much like yeah let's play cards um and steven's like i want to i want to talk um no no like i, I want to talk about peridot I, he's like, yeah, I know that you're trying to protect me, but ultimately I need to know what's going on. I need to be able to help. I feel like I'm strong enough to deal with this. Please just talk to me. Um, I, I know that you just don't want me to be scared, but please tell me the truth. And it's Garnet who yeah. decides, like, okay, let's be open yeah. with you. And she's kind of um, terrifying in what she says. Like, this has got to be a big weight to put on a child. Um... Peridot is coming, and we don't know who or what she'll be coming with. She's a modern gem with modern gem technology that's bound to overpower us. Um, The truth is, we're scared. And it's the gems admitting, 
I think this is the only time I can think of where the gems admit to Stephen, we are scared. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also, like, again, as you said, it's a, a massive weight to place on a child because then he has to yeah. play the role of, like, the rescuer and he's having to play, like, this character of being the calm, reassuring adult of yeah. the situation. But he is a child, he shouldn't have to play well, that role. There's, there's something really interesting, like, the last thing Stephen says in the episode that I think says a lot about Stephen's perspective on this. We've been scared before, right? And I think he assumes that because he's been scared before, that they have also been scared before. It's... I think he's making assumptions about their level of fear when he says, like, we've been scared before. None of us know what's going to happen. Well, Garnet kind of does. Uh, but that's okay. We can figure things out together. Yeah, like, the arc, like, Stephen's arc in these episodes is sort of him being like, it's fine, like, this happens all the time, we always deal with it, and then he realises, oh, this is different, this is not the same level of danger and threat we normally face. I feel like this is Stephen moving closer and closer to being a leader. Yeah. And that he's kind of, like, he's good at uniting people, he's good at giving people hope, at motivating people. He's good at inspiring them. Yeah. And Garnet says this as much, I think, in the next episode, that, like, we need you because you're an inspiration, that's what you do, we need you to inspire people. Mm. And I think it's really... I want to inspire you. I I never realised until we started doing this podcast how many times that I want to inspire you line from Strong in the Real Way repeats itself mm-hmm. because, like, the thing that Stephen sets out so early in this show is he wants to inspire people. He wants to be someone that people can rally behind, that can push them to be braver in their the moments they're scared. Mm. I want to be your rock. Yeah. And, like, it's such a line that I thought was really throwaway at the time, but it's such a big cornerstone of what Stephen does and wants to do. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I completely overlooked that until this, this viewing... <laughs> So, I did, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's really yeah. very Stephen. Mm, yeah. Like, he has always had this, like, leadership role within him, but he's very slowly kind of bringing it to the surface. I think as the situation gets more dire for him and the Crystal Gems, he's kind of, he knows that he has to step forward and kind of take on this kind of leadership role. Yeah, he's not quite there yet. It is still the it Crystal Gems. It is what Gems, we start to see, but... isn't it? Over the next few seasons, Stephen mm. becomes more knowledgeable and a character that's more kind of not solitary, but he's able to do things on his own. Kind of yeah, he's like level-headed and he's, he knows he's what more to able do. to be independent when yeah, needed. Yeah, independent is what we're um, And then the last thing I had for this episode is when he inspires the gems and brings some hope back to them the power comes back on. Yeah. He is he is the light of hope for everyone in yeah. Just saying, but in Little Butler when he got upset, he turned the TV to static. Yeah. And, and there's yeah. the static noise in the beginning and end of the intro. Is it another clue is, about is, is it another clue that yeah. Stephen has something to do with electricity power? He can he can power electrical things or shut them off through or overload them through emotions. That this is a, a convoluted theory. It could also be why he is not as affected by the electro rod things in the next episode. 
Possibly. I took that I, more to be about the gentle yeah, light. That too. I My assumption on that was that it was based on the fact he's human and has physical matter rather than just being a light projection. But I like your thinking. Um, <laughs> I want to believe. My, my theory... That, that's what I'm kind of like. I'm smolder <laughs> sat there just like, I want to believe. My, my reading on like the light coming back on was less about... I, I wasn't thinking so much in terms of powers. I thought it was... I was just thinking like, it's meant to symbolise the fact that she has brought hope back, not just mm. to like to the gems, but also to Beach City, because he inspired them and gave them that hope. And now everything's not quite so dark and depressing anymore. Everything's a little more light and hopeful. Yeah. I think thematically, that is definitely what they're going for. But I wouldn't be surprised if I, later on they do retcon, I, not retcon, yeah. but kind of reveal that this is. If, if they powers. sort of, if they look back at this and go, "Oh, we can make we can make it look like we seeded this mm. early," unless it was both. Yeah, just being careful. I I do think that eventually we're going to see something about like Stephen's emotional state can affect electrical things. Definitely. Um, and then he can be like the guy in Infamous and have lightning powers. Well, I was thinking less lightning powers and more like electrical technology is very much the realm of human tech. And if Stephen was a gem that could control human tech, that would be that a sense. very powerful uh, addition to the gem team. Yeah. Possibly, I don't know. Um, and so, anything else to say on episode 50? Well, one thing I thought, just in hindsight, that's amusing, is when we see Garnet being kind of literally saying that they're scared and it's because of Peridot, it just kind of is amusing to me that kind of meat mark making both uh, high-wearing Peridot is like striking fear into the entire yeah, episode. At, at this point, Peridot is still very much portrayed as like the series villain. Yeah, like she has um, all this technology. Even when she turns up, she's like a lot of, we'll get there, but a lot of the way she's presented when they arrive on Earth is that she's more of a threat than Jasper. She's got, yeah, the tiny eyes, it's like, and yeah. she's very tall. She's stood at the front of the group when she's they arrive. Calm. Well, it seems like she's the leader of their group, because she like comes out first well, and she that she sees like this is why I needed an escort. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, you get the feeling that like Jasper is like her subservient bodyguard yeah, or bodyguard something. Is definitely which there, so, yeah. turns out to not be at all the deal, uh-huh. but you know, it's the impression that she wants to give off mm. to the Earth Gems. So yeah, with that, anything else on this episode? Nope. Right. Well, next episode is episode 51, The Return. Uh, this episode starts off straight away with like action right off the bat. The hand ship is floating down from space, and that is just moment one of the episode. The first note that I have written for this episode is, "Oh shit, the ship is here!" Yeah, no, like <laughs> they they waste no time with this batch of episodes. No preamble. It's just okay. Peridot's here. Yeah, they roll straight into it. The thing I had forgotten is that the ship is literally pointing right at them. Oh, yeah, God. it's like the recruiting finger. You know, the your country needs yeah. you. It really underlines like it's coming straight for them. Yeah, it's like, we're yeah. coming to you. There, there is a nice moment. I'll jump slightly ahead to Mayor Dewey when we see him again. Uh, where, where is the Mayor Dewey line? Um, <laughs> oh, when he says, like, like I read, fingers. Yeah, uh, finger, uh, I'm, always, uh, I'm always very nervous when people point fingers at me. Pointing yeah. fingers make me very nervous. As a politician is what he yeah. says. As, as a politician, pointing fingers make me very yeah. nervous. People mm-hmm. blaming him. Um, 
So very quickly, the gems try everything they have that we've previously seen being like the most powerful tech they have. Yeah, they the, the cannons. They wheel out the t- not just one because previously one laser light cannon was enough to take out that red eye ship that came mm-hmm. looking for them. Here they have a trio of them, presumably the ones from the yeah. armory. Yes. yes. Which interesting note. I've just thought about this. When Pearl was like, "We don't know where the laser light cannon is," she knew about Rose's armory. Did they? Is she not That's think fine. it was worth telling Stephen then? Maybe she else? didn't know that the trio was in there. Yeah, because she seems quite she surprised. She seemed yeah. kind of amazed when the different bits came yeah. up. She assumed, presumably, knew about the armory, but maybe not, not the, the specifics yeah. of what were in there. But knowing that the la- the trio of laser light cannons was there was helpful, and a trio of them does nothing. Um, we get a nice callback to if every pork chop were perfect, they wouldn't be hot dogs, which is just very casually said and works as a, a password still. So it clearly like wasn't the emotion of how Stephen said it or anything. It was that phrase is a specific password to seemingly yeah. all of Rose's laser light cannons. When I originally um, watched this episode, I had completely forgotten. Oh, I think everyone that, so. did, because it seemed like such a throwaway yeah. gag. <laughs> but this one, I was like, oh, okay, that's a callback to using it on the red eye. One thing that I have to mention is that when Greg sees the ship, what he says is, it's happening. Yeah, he's he's very like, okay, this is this is going down. Like, there's no question of like, what's that? What's going on? He, he understands this time what's going on, yeah. because... The gems actually talked to him about what would happen. It also makes me wonder if Rose ever talked to him about like the homeworld gems and what would happen if they came back. I think so, at least to an extent. Yeah, it's jumping ahead, but we kind of get that with Greg's explanation to Stephen mm-hmm. yeah. about like this is very serious. The gems are aliens. Yeah, Greg does have some awareness of like. Whereas Stephen looks at this and goes, oh, it's more gems coming. I think Greg looks at this finger coming and goes, it's an alien invasion. Which is what it is. Like, that is what it is. It's like the very first time the gems are called out explicitly as aliens. Yeah, it's like, hey, remember, these are aliens that invaded our planet with the express intention of destroying our planet for resources. It's a really powerful moment because obviously alien invasion has connotations to it that we've never really seen applied to the gems It's like... The crystal gems are positive, they're nice, the ones that we know, but they didn't come here for good reasons. They didn't come here with the aim of saving us. They came here with the explicit intention of harvesting our planet to the point it would be destroyed. Mm -hmm. They changed their minds when they got here, but they came here as alien invaders intending to destroy Earth. Yep. And that's something that it's easy to forget about the gems. Mm -hmm. So it seems like Rose was one of the first people to come to Earth from Homeworld. Mm, Yeah. Because Greg says that she had originally come here to assess the situation. But yeah, once she met Earthlings, she was kind of like, I can't do it. It is weird to picture a version of Rose that came to Earth with the intention of, I'm going to come and help destroy Earth. Yeah. But that is, from the sounds of it, what happened. Seems so. Um... So I like that Stephen calls in a political favour. Which is a great callback <laughs> to Greg saying that the reason he washed Mayor Dewey's van and didn't 
charging money is that then you get political favours. Yeah, and Stephen picked up on this and was like, oh wait, I helped Mayor Dewey like avoid trouble. I now have political favours. And he has like it's potentially a bit of a um, a simplistic view of the whole concept because I'm sure if he told Mayor, Mayor Dewey even without a political favour, hey, the town's going to be destroyed, you need to evacuate, he would still do it. Yeah, he, he phrases it almost like Mayor Dewey is doing him a favour. Yeah, by saving everyone in town, he's doing Stephen a favour. Um, and, you know, once the evacuation's been called in, Stephen, Stephen doesn't assume he's going. He's like, okay, um, Greg, you know, Dad, get out of town with everyone else, you know, we'll be fine. Wait, why is my backpack here? Cheeseburger backpack. And, like, clearly everyone had been planning this behind Stephen's back to send him in the evacuation and had actively been hiding it from him. Yeah, After everyone we... seems reluctant yeah. to Did you see Pearl's big eyes? Her eyes oh. were giant and blue and she was just kind of like, oh! Well, it's, it's kind of horrible that like the the whole point of last episode was the gems realizing okay we probably need to not hide this stuff from steven we need to be up front with him and then within an episode they're back to hiding yeah important info from him because they're afraid of his reaction i think it's almost like delaying the inevitable yeah they they know that he's not going to be around for this because this is way above his kind of level but they know that he's going to want to be here and expect to be here. Yeah. So they're kind of holding back on telling him. But again, it's... they. Stephen will feel like he's not treating... What? He's not they treated. are not treating him like a gem. Mm. Yeah, and I really like Garnet's explanation. I don't know whether she means it sincerely or it's just something to placate Stephen. I think it's a bit of both. A bit of both, yeah. But I really like her speech she gives where she sort of like... She has what feels like a very sincere moment with Stephen of like, look, we need you because you are an inspiration. You push us to do these things. And like, that is a value. I know it looks like we're pushing you away, but you are uh, you are a protector. We trust you. We know that you can inspire people. We need you to go with the humans of Beat City. We need you to go with them. We need you to inspire them, to rally them into feeling like they're okay and that they're going to be safe and to keep them calm while they evacuate. And if something goes wrong and they get attacked, we need there to be a gem with them and we need that to be you. You have a shield. You can protect them. Please go with them and protect them. And she definitely does do a good job of selling to Stephen, like, look, I know we often dismiss you, but you can do real value by going with the humans and protecting them. Mm. It's also another yeah. thing of putting a lot of pressure on Stephen, though, because she doesn't just say, "Oh, well, we wanted you to go with them because of this." She says, "It's your destiny." Oh, that's that's manipulative as yeah. hell. Well, yeah, it, it works though. Yeah, he... it does, but it's so manipulative. Well, it, it, it works but... because he's been so worried for so long about what am I supposed to do? It's this mm. big question, and like we know this persists right up into season four. Like, um, yeah, absolutely. But the, there's just this question of what am I supposed to do? And the second that the gems say this is something that you're meant to do, he latches on it and he tries his best to do it mm. right. Poor Stephen. It oh, seemingly is needed as well. We see that the town is an absolute mess without Stephen's help. Like, they're not evacuating calmly. They're complete panicking. Yeah, and Stephen's like, no, look, we've got to do this. It's going to be okay. And he he keeps them calm. And Stephen and Greg leave in the van, and this is where we get the conversation where Greg points out that, um, yeah, the the gems should probably be telling you this, but, but they don't like to acknowledge it. They're aliens. 
they invaded Earth, they're invading aliens, and, you know, they came here to destroy Earth, other gems that come to Earth might, you know, are probably going to be the same, they're not going to be here to make friends. Mm-hmm. The bit that I had completely forgotten about in this conversation is when Greg says that, um, so Rose was able to save a few of her closest friends... And says if it wasn't for her shield... Yeah. Um, so, like, did something, like, mass wipe out or mass corrupt the gems? that And Rose protected the crystal gems. And people, presumably, on their side and the other side were just kind of wiped out in one Yeah, I assume, I assume that Homeworld probably had some big weapon that their intention was to be like, look, let's just clear, clear this mm. war out entirely. And Rose's shield was able to protect... The gems, but a lot of people died regardless. If it was something that corrupted the gems, it'd make sense as to why there are quite mm. so many corrupted gems. Yeah, that's gems. what I was thinking. Like, is the reason they're basically, like, mopping up the remains of the war being all these corrupted gems is because... Well, if you think kind of that a... entire field or, just yeah, was it like, just corrupted is it, gems? Is it possibly also mass shattering of gems because there's so many gem fragments that they have mm. to yeah, fight as well? That's what I'm wondering, like... Did the war not end because, okay, like, the homeworld decided, this? let's just leave. Did the war end because there was some kind of, like, a bomb or something was just detonated and just, that's what finished it. And Rose managed to protect Pearl, Garnet and Amethyst and I, everyone outside. I, just, I've never really thought about yeah. that, but that does make a lot of sense. Um, also, I really like that Greg points out, like, there's no such thing as a good war, kiddo. Mm. Like, he, he has... He doesn't hide Stephen from the realities of this. He's like, look, I know that the Crystal Gems won, but war is still war. Gems died, humans died. Like, humans took part in this war and lost their lives. Like, the fact that we won doesn't change the fact that this was, you know, a big old mess that wouldn't have happened if the Gems had never invaded Earth. Mm -hmm. I mean, when we see by what is shown to us during this is kind of there's the flashbacks to um, the kindergarten and like the battlefield mm. and it kind of builds this kind of sinister message of look at the after effects of this war yeah so Stephen then has his moment of like look I have mum's shield the gems need me and Greg's something really heartbreaking back I need you too Stephen mm-hmm. like he's scared he like he shouldn't be putting that weight on his son, but it's like, look, I need you not only to protect me, you are able to protect people, but I need you here because I, you know, I don't have my wife anymore. There are very few people I have in my life. I can't lose you. Yeah, I'm running out of family to lose. Which yeah. makes Stephen's line, like a minute after that, when he says to Lion, um, he, he says to Lion to go to Greg because Dad will need a new son. Yeah, is, you stay here because if anything goes wrong, wrong Dad will need a new son. Oh. Yeah, he can be Lion Universe. <laughs> um, I do like how Stephen ends up getting out of the van, which is he's angry and frustrated about this whole situation, which is understandable because he's got a lot of people making decisions for him. Mm. He punches the dashboard so hard that the airbag pops, he bubbles and gets knocked out the car. (laughs) Ejects him completely out. (laughs) I do like that, like, when... So the van then kind of skids to a stop, stopping all of the Beach City cars. Yeah. I like that all the kind of townspeople come out and their reaction... Is, are you and Greg okay? Like, it's, you know, Stephen yeah. and Greg, are you okay? They're not annoyed about being stopped. 
Yeah. Are they not angry or confused? Their immediate concern is, are you okay? Yeah, because, you know, they're a lovely town and they all support each yeah. other and they're wonderful and I love Beach City. Can we move there? <laughs> <laughs> I, I support moving there. Okay. Um, so as Stephen gets to the beach, the first thing he does before he engages with the gems is he leaves Connie a voicemail. Um, I completely forgot about this and didn't really think about the logistics because up until we did the Clodcast, I didn't... It never really sunk into me that Connie doesn't live in Beach City. She lives, like, a drive away in another yeah. town. Which would explain... Because I always saw when, like, the house is empty and Stephen leaves the message. I thought he was leaving the message because Connie had already evacuated. Oh, yeah, she's and not aware yeah, of this happening. Yeah, no, this is the first time that actually clicked in my head. That the reason... Like, Connie's just out of the house for some unconnected reason. She's unaware of the, the giant hand from the sky and the yeah. evacuation of town. And he's, like, very nonchalantly... Hey, I'm going to go fight a giant hand. The, the, the beach city's being evacuated. Uh, talk talk later. Bye. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it is... It is very... I, I like that they have that moment and then call back to it very soon. Because it's... Any any human would be very stressed to receive that message from a friend. Yeah, because yeah. he says, like, and we might die. Yeah, I'm glad they don't just let that be nothing. They make a big deal out of, there's consequences for what you did, yeah, Stephen. They could have played this off as a joke. Like, yeah. how kind of grimly, kind of amusing this message is. But we do see it has actual consequences that pay off. Yeah. So we then go back to seeing the gems attempting to fight um, the ship. And the laser light cannons didn't work, so now we see Opal, mm-hmm. our lovely giant woman, firing her amazing barrage of arrows that we saw right at the beginning of the show. It can, you know, do anything. Not a scratch. <laughs> All I want to do is see you turn into a giant woman. And fail to destroy a giant hand. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they can't beat the hand, and they are getting pretty downbeat that they're just like, there's nothing we can do. Yeah. Um, and then they realise Stephen's there. And... The reaction is sort of panic. It's... Amethyst is relieved. Yeah. Amethyst is relieved. Oh. Um, she's like, Stephen's back. Yeah. And she's really She's happy and positive. She's like, you came back. As if she was hoping he would come back. Mm. Yeah, like, it was as if he'd abandoned them. And Amethyst was kind of like, how could Stephen leave? And then when he's back, it's like, Stephen came back. I didn't quite get that. I got more like, she was like, okay, I know we have to send him away, but I hope that he doesn't listen. Yeah. I know that this that they're telling him the right thing, but I hope he dis- he doesn't listen and comes back to fight with us. Sense. That, which is, that would fit. Yeah, me, which is really nice. But they tell Stephen just stay behind us. Um, yeah, Gannis they again something... want to protect. Yeah, Stephen. we should be protecting Stephen in spite of the fact Stephen is the one with protective <laughs> powers. Gannett says something about like um, it's too late now. Like just yeah, get behind like us. It's, they realize like they don't have time to get him to safety and then return here. It's just like we okay. Stephen's here. We just have to roll with this. Yeah. Mm. Um. So the handship comes down and Peridot is up front, Jasper behind, and Lapis right at the back. Mm. It's very much trying to portray Peridot is the one making the commands and in charge here. Jasper is presented very much as like the 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 silly bit of the the not terribly smart bit of hired muscle almost yeah I'd agree like she's here to be the muscle she's not the brains of this plan which mm-hmm. we know isn't accurate like Jasper 
is definitely in a superior position to Peridot, but... Yeah, it's a clever use of composition. I think they're yeah. definitely doing this on purpose. They want us to still they're... see Peridot as yeah. the leader. They're trying to big Peridot up as the leader, so in season two they can keep using her as a threat before we realise yeah. what she's like. Mm-hmm. Because, like, considering Jasper's going to be out out the way for a while in season two... They needed Peridot to maintain her position as a feared person. I agree. Long enough. Yeah, because um, if we saw Peridot as like, oh, okay, she's not actually that important. And then we're the, supposed to see her as a big Yeah, threat. we're supposed to fear her in season two. That wouldn't necessarily work. Yeah. So it's it's a good piece of compo- composition. Mm-hmm. And then they put a lapis at the back as if she's powerless to do anything. She's their prisoner. She's yeah. being sort of dragged along for the ride. It's a very submissive position. Yeah, which is... Really interesting, considering everything we know of Lapis is she's probably one of the most physically, like, ability-powerful gems out yeah, there. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I'm sure that Lapis could put up a really good fight, but, of course, she thinks that there's no point doing so, so she's not even trying. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm sure she could. Like, Lapis could potentially take Jasper down, I think. Yeah, in I think... In a one-on-one fight. Yeah. Like, we saw that Lapis because... put up a good fight against the Crystal Gems. Well, even though she's quite, like, she looks very kind of fragile, because she's so, like, dainty. Hmm. She's, she stole all the water yeah. from Earth. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's pretty badass. Oh, gosh, yeah. So, um, Jasper, Jasper is mainly engaged with this mission because when she heard that there were gems on Earth still... She assumed Rose Quartz would be there, and she wanted to see Rose Quartz for herself. It's not the Crystal Gems that she's aware of, it's Rose Quartz, the leader of the Rebellion, the powerful leader that led, you know, that that was able to take a planet for herself. Yeah. Like, that's who she's looking for. It's what we see for the rest of her appearances. She's very, very focused on Mm -hmm. Rose in particular. It it builds up, it it explains really well why, as the show goes on, why she's so infuriated by the Rose Quartz gem now being Steven, is that she's like, I have this very defined idea of what Rose Quartz was. Why are you not Rose Quartz? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. Hmm. I noticed that Amethyst is referred to as an overcooked runt. Yes. Which is referencing what we see later on in that she's supposed to be much taller. She's supposed to be Jasper size and she just was in her hole too long. Mm -hmm. Um, We also get Garnet referred to as like that that abomination or something to that effect, that thing. It's it's obviously a a reference to a fusion. Yeah, without saying fusion because they hadn't done their reveal yet. (laughs) Mm Um, and Pearl is kind of dismissed as like, oh, it's just a Pearl. Exactly. And which we've been saying. Yeah, Pearl always yeah. gets underestimated as well, which is why it's so infuriating when she underestimates everyone else. Yeah. Mm. Um, and as soon as Stephen is spotted, Lapis jumps to Stephen's defense and tries to keep him out of the whole situation. She's yeah. like, he's just a human. He's nothing to do with them. Don't pay attention. And Jasper's like, yeah, I know what a human is. No, they're nothing. Mm-hmm. Um Completely dismissive. Let's just blow them up with a single blast, you know. (laughs) This was a waste of time coming here. It's kind of like this lazy sort of, we don't need to go down and actually fight them. We'll just shoot them and then that's it. Yeah. And And how casual Peridot is in. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And Stephen runs from the back of the group to the front of the group screaming, I'm a crystal gem too, and defends everyone from a blast that probably would have killed them all. Probably. It certainly would have killed Stephen if the shield hadn't activated he he definitely is good at getting the shield when he needs it. Um, at which point, 
Jasper is suddenly like, oh gosh, what are you? You have that shield. Um, Yellow Diamond needs to see this thing. First mention of Yellow Diamond. First mention of Yellow Diamond as who Jasper reports to. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the first, it's this sort of idea of, she doesn't say we need to, Yellow Diamond needs to see that Rose Quartz is still alive. It's this thing. It's, that's not Rose Quartz. But it's kind of Rose Quartz, what's going on? Yeah, because he says you've got Rose Quartz's powers. Yes. It's, it's not you are Rose Quartz, but you've got her powers. Yeah, it is the beginning of Jasper having this kind of strange dynamic with Stephen where she calls him Rose all the time and seems kind of a bit unsure of what he is. Yeah. But I think that's what the gems were meant to be like when they very first kind of met Stephen. That's true. Well, like Pearl. Pearl was kind of like, you know... I never thought of that, but in that sense, Jasper works as a kind of foil to the gems in that Jasper doesn't understand what Steven is, but yeah. the gems have come to understand... It's, it's, it's Jasper's like the angry equivalent of... If we jump ahead to like season three or four, whenever that that flashback is to Steven as a baby... Yeah, that's what I'm thinking it's of. The, yeah. um, it's like, hell, the, that's Rose. No, that's not Rose. And Garnet having to explain that's not Rose anymore. Mm. That was the calm version... Yeah. This is the angry, I don't understand, are you Rose, are you not, what's going on? Yeah. Um, well, he's, he, she. she, sorry, says, um, uh, why have you chosen this form? Why are you such a weakling? Yeah, it's as if Jasper thinks that Rose is chosen to herself. reform. Yeah, yeah. But like she, she is, um, like, skin coloured, isn't she, Rose? Yes, that's true. So it is plausible. like it is plausible. He could just think that she is. She. she could just think my brain is very tired. Yeah. Jas- Jasper is by far the most masculine presenting <laughs> of the gems we come across. It's easy to default to I incorrect pronouns. I was on Jasper. unsure of what Janie Leo meant. To it be does when it take first a. Turned up. Well, I don't think at this point they've acknowledged pronouns for Jasper. I, I think no. it's we, well into season two before we Jasper do gets hear, pronouns. I think we do because I remember noting it, but I think oh, it's yeah. literally once. Okay, but either way, it's they don't make a big deal of Jasper's pronouns no. and. It wasn't yet at this point clear that pretty much every gem other than Stephen, who's a half-human gem, uses female pronouns. Is Jasper a gender-neutral name? I have only ever met men named Jasper. Uh, I believe Jasper is a a gender-neutral name. Okay. Um, I'm just curious. (laughs) I'm the same as you. I've only ever met men Mm. called Jasper. I I think it's a gender-neutral name, but I could be wrong. I've only ever met men and male dogs called Jasper. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So yeah, if, if if it is a uh, sorry, I just oh that's alright. I'm just thinking if it is um, a male name, I'm curious then about the decision to use Jasper as the name and the gem because obviously there's mm. nothing about Jasper as a character that means that she needs to be Jasper. You know, the gem. She could have been anything. Well, she has the physique that is closer to, to um, Purple Puma. Yeah, which is kind yeah. of as masculine. Yeah. But again, like, I think the naming wise is just because it's not named after the human name Jasper. It's well, the yeah, gem course. Jasper, yeah. and those gem, those terms for gems aren't necessarily coded towards oh, yeah, human sure. names. In, and... in universe, and that's obviously what yeah. it is. I just think, like, in terms of uh, production side, like, they obviously are 
were aware of Jasper being a human mm. name as my, well. My assumption would be that there is a real life link, like link between Amethyst Gems and Jasper Gems, mm. and that they wanted to use Jasper specifically because of where they were leading with um, Amethyst is a defective Jasper or whatever. Possibly. I'm going and to that, research this. Yeah, it, it's interesting regardless, but. Um, Jasper at this point decides, like, okay, fine, let's come down to like onto the ground. We'll fight you one to one, and she pulls out the the uh, what is it, the gem, gem destabilizer, destabilizer yeah. which uh, I I have some thoughts about this because I saw a theory about this that's kind of depressing, which mm. I think I mentioned to me yeah. between episodes. Um, Feel free to elaborate. Yeah, so. <laughs> A theory I'd not seen before goes basically on the fact that the gem destabilizer uh, basically looks like it's an electric shock rod, and the implication being it's used to break apart these two lesbian coded characters. Is it meant to be an allegory for um, for uh, reparative therapy or what is uh, conversion therapy of like, hey, electrocute a gay person enough and they'll stop being gay? Mm. And I don't think that's an intended thing but it's an interesting parallel to draw regardless yeah i stand with you and i don't think it's intentional it's very dark but as, but i wouldn't as, argue against yeah. anyone coming to that conclusion it's, it's one of those things that as soon as someone put the idea in my head i watched this episode and this episode <laughs> took on a kind of darker turn for yeah, it definitely um but yeah she basically cattle prods um garnet who splits terrified down the Quite middle. disturbing. Well, she looks really horrified and really upset as she looks at Stephen yes, as she, she bends over backwards. It's a very deliberate choice to show her eyes. As yeah. yeah. It's the first time we see Garnet scared. Mm. And she splits down the middle. I think there's something really interesting about the way they show her gems here, is that when she splits and poofs, we have a zoom on a single gem, and that one gem fills up most of the screen in like a footprint or whatever. And then it does zoom out, and you do see a second gem, yeah. but it's completely like set aside as unimportant. It also happens to be there but the, uh, for continuity, but that's fine. It's the next episode, isn't it, when they really yeah. show there were two gems, and yes. they show the colours. Again, On this bit, we don't see that they're two different colours, no. because everything is kind of washed with green. Yeah, but I think I think it's really interesting. Like It, also, it has to be a deliberate choice that they show one gem. It's like she popped, and there's one gem. And they zoom out. It's like, oh yeah, there is two gems, but that's fine. And they move straight on past <laughs> it. So you had to have the uh, um, <laughs> I just realised it was green because of Peridot. Peridot yeah. green. Yeah. I think it's Peridot and the, the green of the handshake yeah. as well. It's, I think it's a choice to go green because of Peridot. Yeah, yeah like I didn't realise until like you mentioned it that I was like, oh yeah, it's the it's because Peridot's green too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And incredibly quickly the team are disabled and defeated and they're gone um steven gets headbutted and passes out and it's just yep you're no match for us off you come you're you're our prisoners now Mm -hmm. a very sudden ending isn't it yeah it is just nope you didn't stand a chance bye done um and there that's that's the end of that episode does anyone have anything else to mention on it no that's it for me i have a quick comment yeah something i mentioned go ahead episode um in an earlier episode, I, I made a comment about, is this one of the only episodes that doesn't end with the star thing? It turns out there are a ton of episodes that don't oh, end with the star. Yeah. <laughs> like, it... Until we've like um, got through kind of the last 20 or so episodes, I hadn't realised how often the show doesn't end on the kind of star thing <laughs> at the end. I was like, oh, okay. 
fairly common for it just to fit as, a blast. As soon as, like, we said it, and at the time we were like, oh yeah, that sounds right, and then as episodes have gone on, it's like, oh, oh we were we were yeah. wrong there. So I just wanted to quickly note, like, I have learned since. That's alright, it's a learning process, we are, we are, we are going on this journey together, <laughs> as, a, as a podcast and as an audience. Um, so next up we have the big one, mm-hmm. episode 52, Jailbreak. I will say with complete confidence that this is my favourite episode of the entire I, show. I think this is, without a doubt, most people's <laughs> favourite episode of this show. I think it's the most impressively put together episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's a bunch of stuff that happens through this episode um, of varying importance. Stephen wakes up in prison and... The prison that he's in is clearly designed to hold gems, and primarily to hold gems. It is a force field fronted prison designed to stop light projections from passing through. That's the way I read it. Too. Stephen has a human form. He gets a bit weirdly tingly electrocuted, but he can walk through it and he's fine. It doesn't seem to bother him too much. It's, does it? it's kind of like um it's kind of like the effect when someone's like trying to pretend that they're rewinding a tape with their mouth, and they're like, <laughs> yeah. Like it, it seems to. I think the point I'm getting at is it doesn't seem painful. It's like ticklish or yeah. tingly, mm. but not. He's not hurting yeah. while he goes through well, it. Well, when he first puts his hand in, doesn't he go, "Ew, it tingles." Yeah, it's it's a weird, uncomfortable sensation, but not a painful one. Yeah. Uh, unlike the gems, who actively get like painfully electrocuted when they try and touch it. Yeah, we it. see Ruby get shocked. Um, so yeah, very quickly, Stephen finds Ruby, and this is our introduction to Ruby as a character. What do we know about Ruby from this first interaction? What what character traits do we get? She's very impatient. Yep. Um, she's super angry. She's very determined and single-minded in what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the very first thing that she says when she realises Stephen's there, don't look at me. Yes, mm-hmm. I did some of that too. Oh, which I assume is, don't look at me, I don't want to be seen like this, I want to be Garnet. Mm-hmm. Ru- that's the, we learned that's yeah. the plan, isn't it? The Ru- plan is not yeah. to show Stephen, Ruby and Sapphire. Yeah. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Like, yeah. yeah, I thought it was just like I don't like not being Garnet and a lack of self comfort as just being Ruby. But I think that's probably not it. Now you mention it, yeah. it's probably don't look at me. This was meant to be a birthday surprise. Yeah, because yeah. Pearl's reaction is like, oh, it's ruined the, your plan. Like it was yeah. Garnet's plan, so therefore Ruby and Sapphire's plan oh. to reveal themselves on yeah. Stephen's birthday. So I think I, Ruby's like, no, no, don't look at I me. I didn't twig. That's what the don't look at me was about. I read it entirely as just oh no i'm not in the fusion ah don't look at me i don't want to be seen like this but it's oh that's such a nicer (laughs) read on it um yeah she's very very desperate to find sapphire um steven wants to make friends and is like look i can help you out and Mm -hmm. sort of makes the the way out kind of assuming that ruby and steven will you know together go explore the ship Ruby just sprints the hell off. Mm-hmm. Just like, nope, I hear singing, let's go. Another thing that I missed on the first watch is Ruby says, I can't see. Yes, I was going to bring that up. So it's... Ruby's obviously trying to use future vision. And it's just yeah, like, it's, she's been fused for so long. It's like, okay, where is Sapphire? Yeah. Uh, Sapphire, I'll find out using future vision. Oh, wait. It's a great clue, because mm-hmm. you didn't pick up on that. Ne- neither did I. It's like, I can't see and yeah. she sort of stumbles on her words as if it's like I, I can see but I can't see the way that I could yeah 
And that's really sad. Um, I think it, it underlines, again, that they are kind of like a single person when they're together. Yeah. Like, it's Ruby is so used to being Ghana. Yeah. Like, she doesn't realise. She, she, she forgets how much she relies on oh, Sapphire being yeah. a part of her life. Mm-hmm. And when she's separated from Sapphire, it's like, oh, I can't, I'm not the yeah. same like this. Yeah, she's like half a person. Yeah. Um, so Stephen tries to find where the singing's coming from and ends up bumping into Lapis. Lapis, uh, Stephen says he can free her, and Lapis says, no, I've made too much trouble. If we do everything they say, they might let us go. She is totally Stockholm Syndrome. She's just like, look, I'll do what they say, and I won't get in trouble, and that's fine, and I know that I could fight, you know, but I I won't. It's also a very, like, depression. It's my fault, I don't deserve to be saved. Yeah, I would definitely say Um, this is... Lapis is presented as a Well, she is. She's sat, like, with her knees bent, hugging her knees. Yeah. Head down. She's clearly not happy at all. Um, and obviously she's portrayed as blue, which is a very obvious reason. Yeah. But we, yeah. we see later on... What's the that... use in feeling blue? Exactly. <laughs> um, I really do like a little back and forth that Stephen and Lapis has. Um, mm. She gives her reasons and then says, that's why we can't fight them. And Stephen's response is, that's why we have to fight them. Yeah, I love that. The idea mm. of Lapis being like, they're really powerful, so therefore we don't have a chance. But Stephen being like, no, they're powerful, they're powerful. They're doing bad yeah, things. Yeah, they're powerful, we have, we, have to, like, we have to stop them. Yeah, exactly. And, oh, it's so sweet. I love Stephen. Stephen's <laughs> wonderful. Um, what's really sad here is we do get Stephen, like, Stephen goes, he's like, right, I'm not going to convince you to leave because you, you won't leave, but... I promise I'll come back for you. That doesn't... And he, he makes a promise that he does not fulfil. Yeah. And I would not have blamed Lapis if she'd... If this had been her motivation for not trusting Stephen mm. from now on. Is that he promised to, to save her. And as the ship's going down, we see her, like, curl up in a ball. Like, I'm not going to be saved. Yeah. This is this is it for me. They do cleverly kind of foreshadow. Oh, she's kind of, like, being let down. But I yeah. didn't see it as that, though. I just saw it as her kind of giving up. Oh, like she's not worth it. Yeah, saved. just like, no one's going to come save me. Why would anyone bother to save me? I'm yeah. not worth it anyway. Well, I, I, I had the reading by the time this episode is done of, like, I'm not worth saving, but Stephen promised he would. I know I'm not worth it. But maybe. And yeah. she's that she's got this little bit of hope of maybe Stephen will come back for me. And then when he doesn't, it's just like, no, I was right. I don't deserve being saved. I th- yeah, I but, think as an audience, we're at least supposed to make the assumption that that's her motivation for fusing. Yeah. Because that's what Jasper played the, on. The intention is like, hey, the gems kept you trapped and Stephen let you down. Fuse mm-hmm. with me and we'll take them down. Yeah. And it's so brilliantly set up because it does give her... She has such clear motivations mm. to be against everyone on the Crystal Gems. But yeah. we'll, we'll get there. We've jumped, <laughs> jumped ahead a little bit. Um, we get a little bit of conversation between Jasper and Peridot where we get our first mention of the Cluster. Mm-hmm. Peridot was intending to come to Earth to check on the progress of the Cluster. So Peridot definitely, it does foreshadow, Peridot knew about the Cluster... Uh, the intention was to come and check on it because it was, you know, due to yeah, emerge anytime soon. Um, Stephen then finds Sapphire. Sapphire didn't predict Stephen's escape. She's shocked by it. Yeah, like, I find this a bit interesting because, again, something I didn't pick up the first time is I assume Sapphire is singing 
to signal Ruby. Yes. To say, this is where I am. I didn't pick up on that the first time. I figured she's just singing because, oh, maybe Sapphire just sings. No, she's trying, to, she's trying to show Ruby where she is. Yeah. She's not assuming that Stephen's going to save her. And she's like, oh, you got out. Of course. And then it, I think it's the second that she realizes Stephen did escape, she's able to get, be like, oh, that's how Stephen escaped and then put the events yeah, together in her head. Yeah. I think it's just because she can't escape and she's trying to think of ways that she could escape. She never stops to think, is there something different about Stephen that would mean he might be able to? Yeah. She way... doesn't make the active choice to future vision about Stephen's mm. The way abilities. I read it is that Sapphire's immediate concern is, I want to get back to Ruby. I want to yeah. get back to Ruby. So it's like, how do I get back to Ruby? Sing. That will lead Ruby to me. Yes. So she's not thinking about everyone else who's also on the ship. When Sapphire very first meets Stephen, she uses his name. Stephen does yeah. not question yeah. it. He doesn't pick up on it at all. Yeah, yeah Stephen yeah. does not pick up on the fact that he's not used his name, but Sapphire knows it <laughs> yeah. already. He yeah, just gets there himself. and the f- Sapphire's like, Stephen! Yeah. Immediately. It's another, like, huge hint. Yeah. Um... Yep, and then Sapphire escapes, Ruby and Sapphire find each other, and we have this beautiful, like, uh, what is it, did did they hurt you? Who cares? <laughs> I, I care. Do. Oh, and they, they hug, and they kiss, and they, they become Garnet, and it's beautiful, and it's a very clear this is a lesbian relationship. Yeah. It's like... they, oh. I just have written underneath, um, Ruby and Sapphire reunite, and then underneath I've written... Fucking adorable. <laughs> I know. They, they make no attempt here, at least in the English language versions, um, to hide the fact that this is two characters that use she and her pronouns that are very clearly in love. Yeah, and they show the fusion dance so differently. Rather than be what we've seen in the past, which is a very kind of organised, structured, we are dancing, they're just yeah. like hugging each other. And, and it's not sexualised or anything yeah. either. It's, it's just... It's such a happy moment. It's a lot more similar to the way that Stephen and Amethyst end up fusing, where mm. it's like the one of them lifts up the other and they give each other a hug and that's it. Like the interpretation of a, a fusion dance is very loose in that it can just be a shared physical movement of some kind that is intense in the emotions connected yeah, to like it. It makes me wonder if the first time it happened it was an accident. They were just like, oh, I love you so much, let's have a hug. Oh, wait, now we're one person. Well, Ruby and Sapphire originally fuse as an accident. Yeah, they right, do. They? Yeah. It's not planned. Um, so yeah, they, they become Garnet and um, Stephen's first impression is, did I, uh, his, his instinct is, did I make a good impression, a good first impression? <laughs> And Garnet says, "Oh, Stephen, we already love you." Oh, it's it's great on two levels because it's a really nice moment for Garnet saying that to Stephen, but it's also telling us as an audience, like Garnet is a separate person, but also the same two yeah, people. Yeah, like, it's those same two people already do know who Stephen is, yeah. and uh, like Garnet does have their shared memories, like. Garnet is not a distinct, completely separate entity from Ruby and Sapphire. Mm. She is a combination of them both and then some. Yeah, and like vice versa. Ruby and Sapphire yeah. have Garnet's memories. I am a conversation. Yeah, so um, Stephen, uh, she, she, Garnet tells Stephen, like, hey, go round up the others, get the ship back down to Earth, get us saved. And Stephen says, um, are you sure you're going to be all right fighting Jasper alone? I'm never alone, Stephen. Uh, she does give him so a bit of... 
She gives him a bit of future vision so he can find everyone yeah, and help them. Yeah, which is the second time then. we've seen the kiss on the forehead future vision. Yeah. Is it only the second? I thought it was the third for some reason. No, it's been the the snow one and then this one. Well, was there not also the time that she gave him future... Oh, no, she talked about future vision. Yeah. She didn't give it to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it is the second time. Um, then we have Stronger Than You. Probably, like, most people would agree the most iconic song from this show. Hands down, best song. I have to say, I noticed this time watching it that there is only three diamonds on the floor. The pink diamond is not there. Okay. Yep, presumably because pink diamond's been shattered and in reference to that. Yep. Um, so it's a very modern ship that it's been created after Pink Diamond has been Which is shattered. what we get told, so that lines up really well. Yeah. Um, so over the course of this song, we'll dig into the lyrics and stuff in a second, but over the course of this song, we basically see the fight between Garnet and Jasper. We see Peridot being captured and then escaping on her own in an escape pod separately to Earth. We see... The gems getting control of the ship and bringing it back down towards Earth, but not having terrible control over how they've done so, mm-hmm. um, and sort of crash landing it. A lot of stuff plot-wise happens during this, but the big thing is basically Garnet and Jasper have a fight while Garnet mocks the fact that, hey Jasper, you're just jealous because I'm a happy pair of lesbians and you're single and you should... You should like. I get that it's really cool and badass when she does this to Jasper. It's kind of sad to think about the fact that she maybe thinks down on Pearl and Amethyst because they're single. Does she have, like, a downward view on anyone that's not a fusion? (laughs) I think it's just um, Jasper's homophobia. Because she says, I know you hate the way we intermingle, but I think you're just mad because you're single. Yeah, it's... it's honing in on the fact that Jasper hates fusion in particular. Yeah. I think that's what it is. It's like, hey, you're you're jealous of the fact that like you say you hate us for being lesbians, but you're just mad because you, you you don't have anyone that loves you and I do. And yeah. Yeah. Uh so I'm gonna just like go through the lyrics a bit and stop me if there's anything you'd like to talk about. Sure. This is Garnet back together. I wanna say something about that. <laughs> Garnet is very much like I I am like one thing together. Like being mm-hmm. being Ruby and Sapphire is not being two people. Like Garnet views that as this is me separated. Yeah, I think Garnet yeah. being Garnet, she feels whole again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there is something like back together is Garnet's natural state. Um, I'm never going down at the hands of the likes of you because I'm so much better. Better, and every part of me is saying go get her. I'm assuming that's every Both part of, of them, me is yeah. Ruby and Sapphire. Yeah. The two of us ain't gonna follow your rules. Come out me without any of your fancy tools. Let's go, just me and you. Let's go just one on two. Which, such a good line. <laughs> it's so well written. Oh, Anything this, about the song is yeah, yeah, it's so perfectly put together. Um, go ahead and try and hit, hit me if you're, you're able. able. Can't you, you see, see that my relationship, relationship is stable? stable. Uh, yeah, it's... I, I can I can see you hate the way we intermingle, but I think you're just mad because you're single. single. Like everything about that verse is just like we are using as many r- human relationship romantic terms as possible to hammer home this is a lesbian couple. Yeah. Sure, they're age gender space rocks. They use female. Like if you don't like the term lesbian for them, that's fine. But 
for the purposes of they use she and her pronouns, I'm going to here use lesbian to be like... It's oh, clearly yeah. the show's intent to basically be like, yes, they are gay. This, this is this is this is queer representation of some flavor. Yes. Um, you ain't gonna stop what we made together. Yep, you're not gonna stop what we've made together. Like we you, are gonna stay like, like this forever. forever. If you break us apart, we'll just come back newer, and we'll always, always be, be twice, twice the gem that, that you are. are. We are made of love, 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 love. They're made of love because they're in love and they're a relationship and you're not going to break apart a relationship just because you're a stupid homophobe see I have none of the lyrics in front of me I just know this song so I, I know well. it pretty darn well I'm, I've got it here to make sure we don't <laughs> mess anything up uh, this is who we are this, this is, is who, who I, I am, am. <laughs> uh, if you think you can stop me then you need to think again because I am a feeling and I will never end. I won't let you hurt my planet and I won't, won't let, let you, you hurt, hurt my, my friends. friends. That is always my favourite line of this damn song is yeah. the I won't let you hurt my planet, I won't let you hurt my friends. I'm like, oh, Garnet, I love you. <laughs> well, it shows that Garnet really feels at home on Earth. Yeah, unlike Pearl, who is like, I am here because this is, you know, where Rose wanted to protect. Yeah. Garnet is like, Hey, being here, I'm allowed to be me, and as such, I see a real value in this planet. It's a very accepting place. Therefore, no, I'm going to fight for this planet, not because Rose did, but because I want to. Yeah, and she considers it her planet. She yeah. She considers it her home. Um, I know you think I'm not something you're afraid of, because you think that you've, you've seen, seen what, what I'm, I'm made of, of. Um, but I'm even more than the two of them. Everything they care about is what I am. I am their fury, I am their patience, I am a conversation. conversation. Very clearly, it's it's trying to say to Jasper, like, hey, you've seen Ruby, you've seen Sapphire, you know what a Ruby and a Sapphire are, and you think because you know those two things, you know what the combination is. It's like, no, we're more than that. Like, I have the best parts from both. I have that fury from Ruby, I have that patience from Sapphire, but I'm also more than that. You don't know me, you don't know us, you've never met us. Don't try and assume that you know what who Garnet is, mm-hmm. and oh, power couple. Yeah, they are the best, and oh my god, that song—it's amazing. I love it. So that that would be uh, stronger than you. Mm-hmm. Probably the most significant song in in Steven Universe in a lot of ways. Oh, it's good. <laughs> Me and Retta could not resist mm-hmm. singing along while we were uh, watching. We got very into it. I think. Um, I think we sing along to every single song that pops up. We do, but not like that. That was <laughs> that was, that was something special. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've we've still got a bunch of stuff to say about this episode. Um, as the ship's going down, what about Lapis? There's no time. Does anyone remember who it is that says there's no time? Is it um, Garnet? Garnet? Yeah. yeah. Which I assume is why Stephen doesn't try. Is because Garnet said there's no time, therefore probably future vision. She knows there's no time, yeah. Yeah, Stephen knows not to question Garnet, which is sad, because I feel like if Garnet hadn't said that, Stephen would have been, I don't care. If anyone else had said there's no time, Stephen would have said, I don't care, and he'd have still tried to save Lapis. Or potentially being killed in the process. Yeah, (laughs) but here Lapis is like, no one even tried to save her, which is really sad. I think it's telling of Stephen that even though they are facing like imminent crashing, possibly all dying in a fiery inferno, 
he still says, but what about Lapis? Yeah, he's yeah. still thinking about yeah. it. He's, he's very like, but I made a promise. I said yeah. I'd do this. I need to do this. It, it surprises me he's not more torn up over the fact that he made a promise and couldn't fulfill it. That seems like the kind of thing that would have really eaten up at Stephen just post-crash is, I couldn't save Lapis. But he seems far more interested in, oh, I met Ruby and Sapphire and like... <laughs> almost yeah. un unfocused on the fact that he let down Lapis and as far as he knows she's dead. <laughs> He's probably just relieved at being alive. Like yeah, I, I think if Lapis had been hurt, he would have dwelled on it and been like, Oh, it's all my fault. But I think because she was alive, he was Yeah, but he doesn't okay initially know that though. I know, but I think it's just the initial relief of being alive himself. He's kinda of like, Oh my god, I can't I believe suppose. we made it. Sort I, of I thing. could believe that. Yeah. Like it's then basically like, Holy crap, we actually survived this. Yeah. We made it, we're yeah. back in the beach. Everyone is so excited that Stephen met uh Ruby and Sapphire. Um it was going to be a birthday present, as we said, and Stephen's like, oh, it's fine, you can still do it. I'll pretend I didn't meet them before, <laughs> it's fine. I just want to mention one thing about the ship. Um, a lot of the like mechanics of the ship seems to work and it looks like veins. Yeah, it's all very tube-esque ve- yeah. and vein tubes. It reminds me of the heart room inside the temple. Yeah, I was thinking that, yeah. It's all based on very similar to human anatomy, which mm-hmm. probably has some significance for the show, I guess. Um, we also get Paradox first use of clods. Just before yeah. This. Do we? Yeah. Yeah. You clods don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You oh, clods yeah. don't know what you're doing. Which is the first yeah. time she says it. Because uh, obviously she then says it a lot. In an yes. Um, my notebook has you crystal clods written on the front mm-hmm. of it. The notebook I use for recording. Um, yeah. So Garn- uh, Jasper gets back up out the wreckage and is furious. She's furious that Garnet has refused. She puts her entire defeat down to. Well, if I was a fusion, if I had someone to fuse with, then I'd be fine. Because you just did this cheap trick, and you're not actually a good fighter. You just fused, and that's why you won. Yeah, like it's a power level thing. Yeah, like, it it, it implies that it's some dirty trick that just cheats your way to being stronger. Um, at this point, Lapis stumbles out of the wreckage. Um, I find it notable that Lapis's first motion upon getting free... Is to try and escape. Yeah. She pops her wings, jumps into the air, and it's only because Jasper grabs her ankle that she doesn't get away. Yeah, she does try and run. Like, she doesn't want to fight. She doesn't want to be a part of the war that's going to go on on Earth. She just wants to get away from this. She doesn't want to be imprisoned anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And Jasper basically tries to encourage Lapis to fuse. Um, She tries to play on a lot of the knowledge of, like, Look, they don't care. They kept you imprisoned. They abandoned you. They didn't save you. Fuse with me and we can get revenge. Yeah, it's kind of like fusing me after spite. It's yeah. really negative. Um, and she gets really fucking creepy. Yeah, the um, sex metaphor. Just say yes. Me. Just say yes. And the big cre- creepy <laughs> grin on her face. Like, we all... like You could feel in this room the, the level of uncomfort we were yeah, discomfort. Yeah, I think felt. everyone in the room just kind of went... Ooh. Oh no! It is just the you're not enthusiastic about this, but that doesn't matter. Just say yes, because once you've said yes, then then this can happen. Yep, that's consent. Yeah. Uh, so Lapis's response isn't to say any words. She doesn't say yes. She holds out a hand, looking down like fine. It's not enthusiastic consent in any regard. Like 
Jasper says, just say yes, and Lapis doesn't do that. She holds out a hand like, fine, okay, we'll do this, I suppose. I don't want to, but we're doing it. And if you compare this to the fusion dance we just saw, yeah, yeah, this is not how fusion is meant to be. Um, And everything about the scene, as we said before, is so brilliantly put together to imply Lapis is about to fight against against the crystal gems Mm -hmm. because she has so much motivation and she's just fused with the person that has nothing but contempt for Mm -hmm. the gems. We've never seen two people who don't like each other or have differing perspectives successfully fuse. Like, you know, to fuse, they have to be in harmony. And I think it says a lot in Malachite. That's her name? Yeah, Malachite. Malachite. It says a lot in Malachite's design in that she's quite monstrous. Yeah. She's, like, centaur-like. She's not, like, compared to Opal, for instance, who's this, like, tall, elegant woman. She's quite, like, creepy and monstrous. She reminds me kind of like a centipede. Because yeah. her body seems to, like, curve and it's really long. Yeah. yeah which... And it looks really bizarre. I, I tried to think a bit about, like, what is the emotion that they both have in common that's keeping this fusion stable? And I think it's anger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jasper's anger at, um, particularly at Garnet and at the Gems. And Lapis's anger at being held prisoner in general. Well, there is the moment, isn't there, when... She starts getting dragged into the sea that she seems to start to unfuse yeah. and then is fast. Yeah, Mal- Malachite is trying to unfuse and presumably it's once Jasper realises what's going on, Jasper tries to undo the fusion it's, and it's that conflict, isn't it? Yeah. Where the two people no longer being in sync, I think is what's causing well, them to unfuse. It's Jasper starting to feel afraid and Lapis being like, no, you're still angry. I'm going to hold on to that anger you've got. I'm not yeah. going to let you let it go. But yeah, as Malachite happens, uh, raises up a watery hand, presumably to punch the the gems, and then the watery hand grabs onto Malachite's wrist, becomes chains, locks up Malachite, and starts to drag Malachite into the ocean. I don't know anyone who expected that. It's such a cool moment. Yeah, I mean, it means so much because Lapis has been characterised as this this prisoner, this kind Mm. of depressed, unwilling prisoner and she then willingly becomes a prisoner again to save the people that imprison yeah. her. Yeah. She, yeah. she does it to imprison someone but in doing so imprison is herself because yeah. she says we'll be trapped on this miserable planet together. Yeah, I'm, mm. I'm tired of being everyone's prisoner now you're my prisoner. Mm. Yeah because it's like in a way she's doing it for herself she's not doing it to be on the side of the gems or to be on the side of Jasper and homeworld She's gems. making a point of I'm in control right now. Yeah, because yeah. obviously the crystal gems kept a trap for centuries inside a, a mirror, and then Jasper and Peridot kept her trapped in the prison on the ship. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, she's always been in capture. So she's yeah. kind of like, you are just as bad as them, and I am not okay with that, and therefore I will trap yeah, you. Yeah, this push. time, I think a lot of it is just this time I'm in control. Yeah, yeah. she's willingly doing this this time. It's yeah. not someone else inflicting it on her. Um... So yeah, she begins to drag her down to the the ocean floor, and it's it is very much built up as like, oh, we're gonna have this big final fight. The gems are gonna have to fight Malachite, and then just no, Malachite defeats yeah. itself, mm-hmm. and gone. Yeah, it's <laughs> just just gone, dragged to the bottom of the ocean, screaming. The do you t- use two tones of voice so you can tell which one? Yes, who's yeah. the dominant there. personality yeah. at yeah, that, that time? Yeah, that moment. Um, 
I love the Malachite stuff and I'm so glad. Like, it's one of those things that I think everyone was like, when is this going to come back up? And mm. that's the big catalyst, I think, season three for yeah, cause things getting moving again. Yeah, because with Stephen's dream. Yeah, Stephen has that episode where he speaks, he to, speaks Lapis. to Lapis and she's very much like, no, please don't distract me. I need to do this yeah, for you. Yeah, I need concentration. Yeah. I need to keep doing this. She feels like it's a duty she has to keep up. Mm. Another instance of Stephen communicating with the blue gem because of what he feels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something about blue gems and ability to empathise and communicate and whatnot. Uh, and then we end up the episode with uh, Connie calling Stephen... And Stephen tries to explain what was going on, and Amethyst chimes in with like, yeah, we won, it's all fine. Um, And Stephen's a little bit like, oh no, oh, this is bad. Yeah, it's the perfect setup for the next episode. Yeah, which the next episode, it's super weird to me that there's a season end and beginning gap between these, because they feel so... like they should be viewed back to back. Yeah, I wonder how much of it is wanting to end the season with... Stronger than you, and the big fight, and kind of like the end of yeah, kind of that immediate threat, and then be like, okay, now let's start with new season. I, I think it's unusual because the next episode is so much about the. I, I feel like so much of it is wanting to be like, hey, season two has started. We're not letting up with that pace. The important stuff we've started about, like the interactions with the homeworld gems, all of this, like and like big stuff that's happening. That's not gone away. We're, we're jumping straight back into that to get people hooked back into yeah, season two. Yeah, I could two. see that, actually, rather than kind of from the point of view of new season, new enemies, new turn. It's like, no, no, yeah. we're continuing. This is one continuous that. story that we want to make clear is, like, not going anywhere. Mm. Um, and the outro to this episode, I think, is the first time that the outro has lyrics. Yes. And it's mm. Garnet singing about love. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. I... Oh, that's it's such a perfect way to end it, having Garnet's voice actor sing about love. Like, oh. Uh, and with that, next episode up is episode 53, full disclosure, which is the first episode of season two. Uh, this first episode of season two, full disclosure, starts off really directly, like, straight after the end of season one. Yeah. Like, it is a really abrupt continuation moments later it picks up Mm -hmm. it is literally like steven's still on the beach the phone call i think is still going on and it's like connie is on the phone panicked and stressed and okay uh how uh, what 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 do you do steven one thing that i think is kind of cool with this episode is that steven still has his black eye Mm -hmm. and he has the black eye for the whole episode I'm just going to shut our cat out. <laughs> Continue going. The cat has a, um, a new toy. What, is, what kind of bird is the toy? I think it's meant to be a peacock. Okay. Yeah, she has a toy peacock and she's going a little bit crazy trying to play with her peacock. Smudge has just fled upstairs as Laura deposited her outside the door. Sorry, Smudge. <laughs> Where were we? Yeah, so Stephen has a black eye. And I think that's kind of deliberate that he actually has a physical representation of the danger he was just in that carries Mm -hmm. across the episodes and seasons. You were physically attacked and you sustained damage and you are in harm's way when you go on these missions. Yeah, it underlines that like there is a real threat from the Homeworld Gems. It's not the same kind of, oh, everything was kind of out of control, but everything's fine at the end of the episode. It's like, well, no, things aren't back to normal. So Stephen panics about the phone call with Connie and just kind of hangs up. 
mm-hmm. and doesn't really know what to do. And Greg arrives, he's panicked, and Stephen tries to summarise to Greg basically the season one finale. It's like, yeah, and um, Greg's like, oh yeah, you, you fought off the invaders, you must have been stronger than them. No, 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 they were way stronger <laughs> than us. Um, but, you know, they kidnapped me, and they were attacking me, and they thought I was mum, and they were going to kill me, and... Um, and then we crashed down into Earth, and then there was a fusion, and the, the whole town was almost destroyed, but it's okay! And, yeah, Greg's uh, reaction kind of sets the tone for Stephen's kind of headspace going forward. Yeah. He's comically terrified, and his face contorts more and more in terror everything that's listed. Yep. Pearl tries to be really positive at the beginning of this episode, is something I noticed. Like, mm. she goes, well, that could have gone worse. Yeah, and Garnet goes, yeah, it could have gone better, though. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Greg tries to calm himself down with his relaxing music CD, and he is so stressed that he cannot find it and accidentally puts on some death metal. Which I think is Rose's favourite CD. Because she used to listen to all that, like, thrasher sort of She used to listen to very angry music, from what we can tell, from Pearl used to like listening to angry music. And I I I assumed that that was, like... Pearl probably got her interest in punk rock music from Rose. I never thought of that, but that makes sense. I like yeah. That. So it's like, I'm not saying that Greg doesn't like that music, but it probably wasn't the most helpful thing to find in that moment <laughs> as he's hyperventilating in the van. Mm-hmm. Like, oh no. Uh, you, these missions, these are a scary thing for my son to go on. Um, I think it's because Stephen is very, very truthful about it. Like he has always been told that as a leader, you need to lie a little bit to protect people. Yeah. Well, this whole episode is about kind of the truth's yeah. impact on people what? and protecting them from it. It, it reinforces to him what's been going on in his past batch of episodes, which is if you te- if you are completely honest about the situation to people, they will panic and it will stress them out unnecessarily and mm-hmm. that seems like a bad thing. Therefore, maybe you should just not tell people about the stressful things in your life and you should burden suffer that burden alone. I think <clears throat> that's why, like, Greg's reaction is why he doesn't know or want to tell. Like, he doesn't know what to tell Connie or, and yeah. he doesn't want to tell He's, her She about sees it. a negative response and thinks, I don't want Connie to feel this yeah, negative. Yeah, it's like, I don't want <clears throat> her to be worried about me. Yeah. So... I'm not going to tell her, like, as someone who suffers from chronic pain a lot, um, I can really see this, like, reflected in myself, like, you don't want to tell people how you are actually doing, because people do worry about you when they care about you, so you kind of try and hide it until you can't anymore. You used to do this a lot. (laughs) You become better with it, but yeah, you used to kind of want to protect other people from feeling bad about how bad you felt. Mm-hmm. So you pretend Yeah, because I knew it always made people uncomfortable because they'd be like, oh, I feel bad that I can't do anything. So I was kind of like, I'm making other people feel bad because I feel bad. So therefore, I'm just yeah. going to not tell the other people. Mm-hmm. Try, try not to be a bit dark with it on my side. Like, I know the times I've most related with Stephen in this episode are when I've been dealing with suicidal feelings. And like, a lot of it comes down to this sort of like, there's nothing you can do about how I'm feeling and how terrible I am feeling. And if I tell you how bad I'm feeling, you're going to be really scared. Therefore, I just won't tell you. And I'll push those people away because mm-hmm. it's better to push people away and have them not care how I'm doing than have them care about how I'm doing right now. And, oh, oh, some of this episode hit close to home. Yeah, I've 
been there as well. Like several years of my life yeah. were basically like I'll pretend everything's fine and just distance myself from everyone so then mm. my problems don't. I I know particularly the like the pushing friends and family and people away being like look I don't want us to be friends or whatever anymore because maybe it'll hurt less if I do something like that. It'll hurt less if, you know, I've pushed you away first. Mm. And it's a stupid way to think about it, but... It's a big thing with depression. Yeah. I've seen friends with depression go through stages like that. And me! Retta was pointing at herself. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I... I, It's a thing I can certainly empathise with where Stephen's coming from, even if I recognise it's not a healthy set of behaviours. I can understand how how that set of behaviours ends up happening. It's why it's a good message for kids. Yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. hey, you're going to have the urge to push people away when you get sad and scared, but, you know, that's not a good yeah. way to go about things. Um, so Stephen's rehearsing his conversation he's going to have on the phone with Connie, and he's trying to downplay it as much as possible, and he cannot work out how to make I got abducted by aliens who tried to kill me because they thought I was my mum sound okay. Mm-hmm. Well, he considers playing it off as a joke. Yeah. He's like, ah, oh, Connie's too smart for that. <laughs> I like that Connie is is here. Like, no, she's she's an intelligent character. She will see through your bullshit. Yeah, because yeah, doesn't he say, maybe I can tell her that the voicemail was just a dream? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's what he says. Not a joke, but a dream. Yeah. And he's like, no, she's too smart for that. Yeah. She's not. So he ends up going up to the top of that same mountain where all of the roses bloomed from the uh, mm. that early season episode. And he ends up meeting with Ronaldo. And for a minute, it seems like we're getting an actual sincere bonding moment between Stephen and Ronaldo. Um, I think... Do I have the, the, the thing written down here of what was said? No, I don't. Uh, it was something about um, how they needed to suffer quietly. Burden it... Uh, like... Suffering the burden of the truth. It's no easy path. There are sacrifices that must be made. Yeah, he he implies that he comes up here as well, often, and kind of broods quietly. It is interesting, because, like, while this probably isn't what Stephen needed to hear in this moment to deal with the situation in a healthy way, it's certainly something that Stephen can empathise with and think, yes, this is someone older than me saying that that I'm approaching this the right way. I think Ronaldo's a big part of setting Stephen into this idea of I need to bur- shoulder this burden alone. Yeah, this is what people do. Yeah. And then Ronaldo sees bits of ship on the ground and runs off and <laughs> leaves Stephen alone. Mm-hmm. It's really crappy though. Like, <clears throat> he's putting a lot, again, it's like putting a lot of pressure onto Stephen. Because it's kind of like, well, we are the protectors and therefore we have he's... to do this. And it's R- kind of like, R- he doesn't have any actual responsibility, Ronaldo. Yeah, Ronaldo's trying to put himself up to Stephen's level in terms of his significance to the events in Beach City. Mm-hmm. And Which... makes like a weird false equivalence of like suggesting that their struggles are similar. And we also know like nobody reads his blog. Like yeah. there is no actual audience other than Stephen, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like when he's going to um, chop up watermelon, yeah, Stephen. Zero viewers. Zero viewers. <laughs> no so one's watching. Yeah, he's acting like a lot of people depend on him, but yeah, it's all imagined. Um, so from here we go into another another big song of this batch. We have full disclosure, which oh that that song. <laughs> um, the the ringtone that's used in it is used so effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It's also the intro to our uh, podcast. Yeah, it's uh, used as part of the intro to the podcast. I had it as my phone ringtone for a while and then realised it made me really sad to hear, so I changed it. Yeah, me too. Just do, 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 do. (laughs) Um, Everybody told me gem stuff's dangerous. I I guess I didn't believe it. Until now, Dad always seemed apprehensive, but now he's freaking out. So it's like... I think I think Greg was like, uh, I'm a bit iffy about gem stuff, but the fact that he really freaked out this time is like, oh, oh, this actually genuinely scares him, and I'm distressing him, not just causing him concern. Yeah, it underlines there is real danger here. There's nothing yeah. playful yeah. about what just happened. Mm. Well, he won't like seeing his dad suffer for him because mm. he knows that his dad is only upset because he is doing these things. Yeah. I think, like, from here, the whole song's about Connie. It's about yeah. trying to protect her. It's, um, what what do I do? I don't want that for you. It's it's not about what Connie wants or would want. It's, I feel like I need to protect you from this. Therefore, I'm making a decision on your behalf about how to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody tells me life is precious on the planet Earth. And that means you. And I have to protect you. What if somehow you get hurt? Like, he doesn't see the fact that... We've talked about a bunch recently that the gems keep information from Stephen, trying to keep him from getting hurt, and ultimately he gets hurt worse because he doesn't have the proper knowledge and information and context to protect himself. Yeah. And he's... He is completely replicating that behaviour to Connie. He's like, oh, I'll protect you, when ultimately knowing what's going on would probably allow her to protect herself better. Mm Mm-hmm. As well as, obviously, not even taking into account what she wants. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, What am I going to tell you? You're better off not knowing the trouble I'm in. Uh, I don't want you to worry about what I've seen, where I've just been. You don't have to be a part of this. I don't think I want you to be. So, like, the whole thing here is him making this decision on her behalf. Like, Mm -hmm. I know I've not spoken to you, but I'm assuming I know what you want better than you do. Rather than tell you the information and let you choose what you want to do. I'm going to choose for you. And then, like, the last pair of lines, which I think is the closest parallel to, like, heavy depression stuff, is, you don't need this. You don't don't need need me. me. And it's this, like, this is... I'm struggling so much with whatever this burden is I'm dealing with. You don't... I don't want to put that burden that I struggle with on other people so they'll struggle as well. And the best solution to keep that struggle from being on them is to keep me from them therefore distance myself from those people mm, yeah like you won't suffer as a result of being close to yeah. the first time I ever heard this song <clears throat> I cried my eyes out so did I yeah it it's 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 a really powerful song about something that's just never really talked about this whole idea of sometimes when you're struggling with something be it retta with chronic pain or me with depression and stuff when you're when you're struggling with something like that, this overwhelming urge to push people away because, like, if I push you away, then you won't worry about me. Yeah. And that's not how it works in reality, because then people will worry about why are you pushing me away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I now don't know what's going on with you, and I'm worried about that. I'm worried about something un- intangible that I can't understand, and that's in many ways worse for the yeah. other person to deal with. But it doesn't change that during that moment you have this urge of just... If I push myself away, then you won't worry about me. Yeah. And it's unrealistic, but it's a really present invasive thought. And that's that's a really big thing for a children's show to deal with. <laughs> it's another instance of it dealing with a very 
heavy theme that affects people of all ages, but doing it in a manner that children can understand and follow. Yeah. I don't know of a single show aimed at adults that deals with that theme in any regard. Not even no. just like as well as Steven Universe does, but at all that even touches on that theme. So go Steven Universe. Um, uh, so from there, Steven goes back to the temple. And the first thing that was apparent to me when he returns to the temple, he distances himself language-wise from humanity. Yeah, it's like he's seeing himself like, no, I'm a gem, I need to cut off yeah. that human side. He, he doesn't see the value in, like, I am a gem-human hybrid and that's what makes me special. He's like, no, the gems are better at protecting the world than me because they're gems and I'm worse because I'm human. Therefore, I should cut aside the human part, <laughs> I am a gem. Let's it's, push away the humans because the humans will get worried. It's like a responsibility thing. Like, by being half-gem, I have a responsibility to do this stuff and therefore... I also should get rid of the humor part yeah. of me because that humor part of me hurts other people. It feels like um, like we had a thing with this very early on in that Stephen is doing what he feels like he has to do. This is expected of me and therefore I will do this to be what is expected of me. Yeah. Because yeah. you can tell, like, by the end of the episode, you can tell he doesn't actually want to do this. No. He, he has a really... A really messed up, complicated view of adult um, responsibility in that I can't remember which of the gems says it, but someone says, are you going to ignore Connie's calls forever? And he says, yes, it's the responsible thing to do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, the responsible thing to do would be to have a conversation and talk this out. But he's like, no, I'm doing something that I don't want to do, but I'm doing it anyway. That's what adults do because they're responsible. And therefore, if I do something I don't want to do, I'm being an adult. Yeah, it's a being responsible. view of what maturity is. Yeah, that maturity seems to just boil down to doing things you don't want to do. Absolutely. But again, it's it's with the theme of leaders have to lie to protect yeah, people. Yeah. not do what they want to do. Exactly. So Stephen has been, it's been drilled into him over and over again by different people. If you want to be a good leader, you have to lie to protect people sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um also, we get a bit of um, a reference to the flashback that they used to have a fence, and they want to have a mm-hmm. fence again, and gone. it's like, no, we're, we're not getting a fence. It's also good, because that was only, like, five episodes ago. It was pretty recently. Yeah. Yeah. Although, because it was this... the last of the other batch that we just did, because mm. it was yeah. Stephen's story, or yeah. story, but, you know I mean. story for Stephen. That's it. But to be fair... Um, because this is the first episode of season two, if you were watching this week by week, this would have been a long time ago that that fence was referenced. Um, Also, Amethyst isn't allowed to be a crocodile because she always wants to be the crocodile and never commits. (laughs) Jazz hands! (laughs) Seems to be a reference that they've tried having a moat before, but Amethyst is too lazy to be the crocodile. Amethyst clearly likes being like the guard animal at the fence of some... We saw description. Her the owl, yeah, yeah, she was an owl on the fence, and presumably, like, she likes being the guard animal, but she doesn't like committing to any one significant specific animal. I think she likes the idea of it, and yeah. then maybe gets bored of it easily. It reminds me of Roger from American Dad. There's like an episode when he's been a therapist, and someone's telling them his prob their problems, and Roger just goes, "Right, I'm tired of this now. I'm going to go be a fireman." <laughs> <laughs> that just reminds me of that one. It's kind of like, uh, I was doing this, but now I'm bored, so I'm going to go do something else. Yeah. 
Um, so Connie <clears throat> is scared by Stephen's level of avoidance. Not she's not scared by the risk he endured. Like she knows that he's gone through some risk. She's come to his house, which means she's walked through Beach City. She's presumably seen the remnants of a giant space hand everywhere. The smashed windows on every building, the people that returning to their evacuated homes. That's not what she's scared about in any regard. She's scared because Stephen's avoiding her. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to that whole point of it's not what the person's struggling with that's causing causing the person pain. It's the fact that you won't talk about it and that you won't open up that's causing yeah, the person pain. Stephen is causing Connie distress by trying not to cause her distress. Yeah. Now we just, <laughs> just look, the Retta's just got this big old grin on her face. Well, grin slash grimace. Yeah. Um, because so, Mia tells me off when I don't like say how I'm feeling. Yeah, she she does a really uh, this this episode does a really good job of showing like the steps of what the other person you push away goes through. Because initially she's concerned, why is this person avoiding me? Then she turns it internally and goes. Am I at fault? Did I do something wrong? Yeah. Which is also a callback to Stephen with Pearl. When Pearl is upset yeah. and pushes it's him exactly away, he says, time. did I do something wrong? Tell me if yeah. I did something like wrong. Stephen, Stephen's been through all the things he's putting people through and he's just not quite seeing the, the parallels. He's not realising, oh, I'm doing what Pearl did to me, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not seeing... That he like oh I'm putting people through what I've been through and therefore I shouldn't do this. Um, Stephen tries to cut off their friendship over text because it's easier to push someone away that you don't really want to push away but feel like you should when you do it non-verbally. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's everyone can relate to that. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's much easier to tell someone to go away over electronic communication. Mm-hmm. Um, Connie insists on it being a face-to-face thing, and Stephen comes out as if he's about to, like, you know, I don't want to be friends with you ever again. He looks up. <laughs> Who wants to describe how Stephen's face looked? It's the most upset I think we've ever seen him in His the entire series. His face is just, like, rivers of tears. Well, more than that, it's rivers of tears and, like, snot yeah. dribbling down yeah. his nose. Like, he's exaggeratedly upset. Like, this... he's distraught. Absolutely. This is the moment when I first watched it that just destroyed me. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, this is the moment where that really made me cry. Because it's, it's just so heartbreaking. Like, I think it's good from, like, a production point of view that... It plays with expectations because mm-hmm. we see him stood up there in shadow, and it's we know that he's here to kind of break off the friendship with Connie. Yeah, and it builds up to that moment where he's going to kind of shockingly tell her to go away. Yeah, and he's like, no, I don't want you to. Yeah, because like in the if you're a person in that situation, you're not pushing people in your life away because you actually don't want them around. It's mm. you feel bad about yourself and you feel like a burden and. You know, you feel like that's something you should have to suffer suffer through alone. Yeah. You don't actually want them to go away, and the thought of them actually going away is a sad thing. Yeah. It's something you ask for, but you don't actually want, I think. Um, It's okay. okay. I've realised I need to check on my waffles. Oh, okay. Uh, Mia is going to check on waffles, because mid-episode we put some waffles in. That's okay, sorry. I didn't really disrupt the episode. That's alright, we're still going. Um, So... When Stephen says, like, like what's wrong, blah, 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 um, Connie says, I've been worried sick all day. Stephen's response, I was trying to protect you. At which point, very quickly, Connie's like, no, just stop. 
She won't. She doesn't let Stephen do his whole. I was trying to protect you, therefore it, it was correct of me to do what I did. Spiel. As soon as he starts going down that route, she's like, "Just stop." Um. And again, when Stephen's like, "Oh yeah, I can't make you stay and you know share this burden," she stops him very quickly and says, "I want to." She's very like, "No, don't. You're not making this decision for me. I'm telling you what I want. So just." Stop that. Yeah. The the reaction that Stephen, Stephen was expecting doesn't happen in the slightest. It's mm-hmm. the exact opposite. And then this is underlined by Greg turning up. And he's fine. He's yeah, and he's just normal. like, yeah, right. I dealt with that. I'm okay now. He had his free cap. He's fine. He worked through it. He's calmed down a bit. And we see... We end the episode really nicely. We're just seeing the whole town rebuild slowly. Just mm-hmm. everything's getting put back together... Everything's being reassembled. Everyone's going to be fine. It was a big stressful event, but everything's everyone's okay. Yeah. It, it's in the end, everything's fine. Everyone comes together, and by being honest, everything works out. I just love that they like hug and make up immediately mm. when Stephen's crying. It's just like, oh, they're so cute. Yeah. So that's everything I had for this last mm-hmm. episode. Anything else? No, that was everything I had. So, yeah, that has been the big batch of season one finale ending episodes. We're at about two hours and ten minutes. So I think this is our longest episode. Sounds like it, yeah. That's a lot of us. (laughs) Yeah, that is a lot of us talking about Steven Universe. For a set of episodes that took us 50 minutes to watch and we have talked about for, um, for what is that... 130 minutes. We've talked about it almost triple the length yeah, that the episodes took to watch. To watch. Um, <laughs> so thank you very much for listening to another episode of the Crystal Podcast. I hope you're still enjoying. Uh, we'll have another episode for you again next week. Mia, where are you on the internet? As usual, you can find me on Twitter at OmiaGod. I also am on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash MiaViolet. And Retta, where are you on the internet? I'm pretty much super Retta anywhere. S-U-P-A-R-R-A-Y-T-A-R. That's the one. That is it. And you can find me at Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. YouTube, Twitter, Patreon pays the bills. Wherever have you, I'm probably Laura K. Buzz. Thank you very much for listening. Bye.